Last time on Dragon Ball Z, Gohan's transformation brought the battle with Vegeta to its crushing conclusion. With his body and his pride seriously wounded, the evil Saiyan had no choice but to retreat, and Krillin had little choice but to watch him go. When I come back to this planet, you're all going to suffer, and when you beg me for mercy, I'll stare into your eyes as I crush the life out of you. Krillin proved himself the bigger man by showing Vegeta mercy. But will this decision come back to haunt him? There's only one way to find out. <coughs> Stay tuned for more Dragon Ball Z. You're listening to The Next Dimension, Dragon Ball Z Chapter 48, Destination Namek. 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 Long ago, seven Dragon Balls were forged and scattered over the face of the planet. Once united, the eternal dragon will be called forth to grant the discoverer a single wish. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the next dimension of Dragon Ball Z podcast. Again, I'm your host, Donovan Morgan Grant, and with me, as always, is Jesse Garrett. What's up, Jesse? Nothing much, man. I'm enjoying this fine evening, as I hope everybody listening is. Indeed so. Um, it's been, it's been a, a bit of a minute, but uh, we're back with more content. Back on the regular series, continuing our look at uh, the DBZ storyline. No more movies for a while. Although I, I, we got some pretty positive feedback, as we will get into right now. <laughs> um, people seem to like the, ep- the movie episode, which is good. Uh, I'm not sure of this moment, or Jesse and I are not sure of this moment, when exactly we'll cover the next few movies. But uh, we definitely will, because our plan is to cover pretty much everything important to Dragon Ball Z. But uh, before we get more into that and, and cover the, what we're going to cover tonight, um, we got to hit up the emails. We have four emails tonight, and the first one is from some guy named Larry Buffalo Boy. He says, Hey gang, this is Larry B, and I just wanted to bring back the topic of keeping Vegeta alive. I wanted to see what you guys thought about him being the last of the Saiyans, and if that was anywhere related to the mercy that Goku gave him at the end of the Saiyan saga. Thank you, Larry. We did discuss a little bit about uh, the ending to the Saiyan saga, Goku Goku, uh, begging Krillin to let him be alive so he can fight him again. Um, although I think that is, I think it is an interesting point that maybe he did it to preserve the Saiyan race. What do you think, Jesse? I think it's a beat they could have went with, but I don't see much, much characterization from Goku to kind of imply that. Only because he doesn't seem to really care that he's even Saiyan, or especially not to have much love for the race from what he's he's gathered from Raditz and Nappa and Vegeta coming up. He didn't seem to show any any feeling towards being Saiyan. But that would be an interesting 
kind of plot point to go with if they, they did want to go with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, actually, uh, I, I, I get a little bit weird spoilers, but at this point, Goku is definitely, he's definitely, I don't want to say rejecting his Saiyan heritage, but that's just not a factor in his mind right now. It does become, well, obviously becomes uh, very important later on in the saga, but as of now, I don't think that was in his head. I mean, someone could argue that, but I don't think there's much room to argue that just based on the characterization. All right, for our second email, <clears throat> it starts off, Sorry getting this in late. I love your show, and I'm a major Dragon Ball fan. I have seen every episode of every series of Dragon Ball Z and GT. I love how detailed you are in your descriptions. I also love how you also put in the sound clips and was wondering where you get your original Dragon Ball Z Kai clips. All I could find was the new Nicktoons stuff. And last, I was wondering who played Nappa in the Ocean dub. I could not find that. Thanks for the for a great podcast, and I will be writing again. Sincerely, Michael Hay, a.k.a. DBZ Fan 101. Smiley face. <laughs> Wonderful. Don will be uh, addressing the clips since he does all the editing and all the legwork with the show. What? Oh, well, <laughs> um, I would just essentially say uh, DVDs, of course, because I, I own all these DVDs. Well, okay, I don't. I'm not going to lie about that. But in, in, in terms of fairness and legality, I would just suggest that if anybody wants to find know the source of the clips, just go get because they are DBZ Kai is on uh, on in on DVD. I think the entire DBZ Kai series, even though it doesn't cover the whole Dragon Ball Z series, all of what Kai covered is on DVD in America now. Um, as for if you want to know how to record them, I use a program called Audacity, which does record any sound bites off of your computer, and with a little finagling, it it comes out pretty pretty nice looking or pretty nice sounding. As far as the voice actor for Nappa, according to Wikipedia, which is the most reliable source since Webster's, of course, um, Michael Dobson played him in the Ocean Dub. He asked for the Ocean Dub, correct? Yes. Okay, the, okay so a voice actor named Michael Dobson voiced him for the Ocean, for the ocean Dub. And actually, actually I, sh- I should say that uh, this being, uh, we're recording this around a certain time. I was listening to um, Dyson Shoot X, uh, the better DBC podcast, <laughs> and um, they didn't mention that one of the original voice actors from Japan recently passed away, um, and I want to get his name real quick. He was the voice actor for Kami and uh, Piccolo Dai Mao, the original evil King Piccolo. He, I believe he died of a stroke or complications from a stroke. His name was Toshio Furukawa. And he recently passed away, so I just wanted to um, make reference to that. And you know, he's he's an old guy. A lot of a lot of the original voice actors are are you know older now, um, but it's just just to recognize that you know someone who devoted their time and energy towards the series has gone on. So uh, rest in peace. And uh, on that note, on that rather sad note, let's uh, let's let's return with an old friend in Daniel Yarbrough. Daniel starts off with a subject line. Waves and Rocks. This movie is brought to you by Waves and Rocks in, in reference to uh, the very first thing you see with the movies. Dan says, hey, Donovan, Jesse. I have to say I really enjoyed your first look at the Dragon Ball Z movies. Once again, the positive atmosphere and enjoyment you two give from what you're reviewing is infectious and makes the show fun to listen to. The movies as a whole have such a bad reputation. <laughs> it's just nice to hear good things said about any of them. 
I think the real problem with Dragon Ball Z movies is not the individual movies, but when you put them all together, the minor flaws and repeated aspects just become more glaring to the point that the negative is what most fans think of when you think about a Dragon Ball Z movie. When you look at them individually, there is much to enjoy, and you guys highlighted a lot of those aspects. Thank you. My girlfriend is awesome, thank you. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Her name is Maria, and to make a long personal story short, we actually met through our fandom of Dragon Ball Z. And if you guys will indulge a little self-promotion, if you or anyone else is interested in seeing some really good Dragon Ball fan art, check out her work at agra19.deviantart.com. And sorry, no sisters, but I'll pass the show along to her friends. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> scratch our back and we'll scratch yours. So yeah, if, anybody, if anybody's uh, interested in checking out some Dragon Ball fan art, I've, as, as of this recording, yet been, uh, not yet have done that. But if anybody's interested, uh, please check out Maria's artwork at agra19.deviantart.com. Daniel continues, I love the dead zone, the movie, not the actual zone. It's one of my favorite of the Dragon Ball Z movies. I always thought it was, one, it was the one movie that really could fit in continuity with the series. But then I forget about the whole Krillin knowing who Gohan is thing. But to me, it fits in better with the continuity than the, than the other movies, which you do just have to take as their own little things. Looking at it now, you guys are right, and it does have a very Dragon Ball feel with it, with the more mystical elements in the martial arts being so prominent. Add that to the fact that Garlic Jr. does resemble Emperor Pilaf so much, which is probably why at least one Japanese and English voice actors have voiced both characters. Interesting. Hmm. It, it's a real shame Chi-Chi does not get to whoop some ass, but it's still a nice character moment that she was ready to. Agreed. As you guys noted, a highlight of the movies is just how badass the characters get to come off with all the great fight scenes. Having great fight scenes is the main goal of these movies, and when it's done right, it makes the movie. And when they can give as many characters a fighting highlight as possible, it is even better. Gohan getting junk off the apple is a hilarious crack, and it makes no real sense. But it's just fun, especially with the song. But I must admit, I'm a sucker for characters actually singing songs, especially from DBZ. My, first, my personal favorite is from the CD Aikina Aiura Magic, where Chi-Chi forces Gohan to sing karaoke with her? What? What? That's news to me. Uh, but, but but that'll deter from his studies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless she wants him to like travel the road with her, like Parcher's family style. <laughs> oh God, I, I honestly did not know about that. <laughs> oh wow, I need to find that in, in, certain, in, in an episode or a future episode. And on the note of the movie's comedy bits, I have to call you guys out on not mentioning one of my favorite parts of the movie. Go here we go. Gohan peeing on Krillin makes me laugh every time. Uh, what did you think about that, Jesse? We didn't we didn't mention that. I forgot about it. I remember I now that he mentions it, I remember seeing it and kind of going, huh, okay, odd, and making a note of it. But I it completely slipped my mind. I guess I was blocking it out. Yeah, that I I did forget about that. Um, I remember when I first saw the movie. That was another thing that was differentiating from the uncut version because. The way everyone, the way Goku and Krillin find Gohan is that he literally takes a leak on Krillin's head, and, and then like he's, he's like wah wah wah. So, um, it's it's wonderful Japan humor, I guess. But yeah, we we just legitimately forgot. I always assumed that in the manga manga, when Goku used the power pole to connect Korin's tower to Kami's lookout, that he just left it there. So any use of it afterwards in the anime series or movies was added by the animators. I have not read those parts of the manga myself, so I don't really know if that's an accurate assumption, but I always thought it was a solid reason for why he rarely used it as an adult. Which is a shame, because if the Ninja Turtles tell me anything, it's that fighting, martial, fighting with martial arts weapons is always cool. Now that, he's talking about um, 
Goku's uh, power pole slash his, his basically his staff that he used in the in the first two movies. Uh, in Dragon Ball Jesse, um, when when Goku first met Kami, Korin's tower is basically like 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 for lack of a better phrase, the downstairs apartment to Kami's tower. And uh, to get there, he had to connect it with his uh, power pole. You know his 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 staff, which uh, which and lengthens. And after that, we never saw it again. Um, although in the movies you will see him use that, but uh, yeah, I mean in the main series, like like in the Namek saga, you're not gonna see that again, so, which is a shame. Just hmm. clearing that up. Okay. As I said, Dead Zone is one of my favorites, and I think it's mostly be- because to me its story fits well as a precursor to DBZ and filled with great action. I personally would give it a six out of seven Dragon Balls. Okay. Uh, I think that's what we give as well. An interesting note relating to Dead Zone, I recently watched the first American VHS release of the Raditz episodes, and at the beginning of the video, there was a little prologue explaining about the Dragon Balls and the Go- and that Goku used to have adventures gathering them as a boy, and now these are his adventures as a man. The funny thing is that almost all the footage used during that is from Dead Zone. <laughs> That's funny. I always thought of The World's Strongest as one of the more forgotten or ignored DBZ movies. Perhaps it's just my perspective, but it's always seems, uh, it, it always seemed fans really love the Dead Zone and Tree of Might and the World's Strongest just get lost in the first trilogy. That said, there is a whole lot to enjoy about this movie, as you guys mentioned. The locations, the characters, the fights, and as you guys mentioned, the real feel of an early 90s anime all add up for an enjoyable experience. A, a contradiction I can give about this being the first time Goku has gone up against this kind of sci-fi villain is that while he, this, it's the first time he's fought any real mad scientist, the Red Ribbon Army did have a similar feel, particularly the Muscle Tower arc, going up against the Terminator and Frankenstein and weird creatures of science. Point. I'll absolutely give you that. I've always preferred the musical moment in Dead Zone as it made more sense because it had the excuse of the alcoholic apple to explain the craziness. But you guys, <laughs> but you guys had swayed me with the point that in, that... The one in World Strongest showed real insight to Gohan's character and how he thinks and feels. And as you guys mentioned, the little added scenes added insight into the characters that we don't really see in the regular story. And our unsung highlights of the movies, and this one has some really good scenes of Goku and his family. There needs to be more group Kamehamehas in the series. Don compared Goku's using the Kamehameha to Superman's cape, but I say a better comparison would be Batman and his batterings. Yeah, others have used it have used it to their own variations, but when you think about someone using it, you usually think of Goku. I hope it's not too much of a spoiler, but perhaps you guys can watch out for I think from now on the Kaioken doesn't show any signs of actually hurting Goku when he uses it. Yeah, that that connects to what you said, Jesse, about uh in uh movie two where <laughs> you were like, Why isn't he injured? <laughs> yeah. Um and I, I I know it I know in the future it's not gonna happen every single time. I know. I know it does happen again, but it's not. I, I will. I will say. And I don't think this is this too bad of a spoiler. But I will say that, like in the Saiyan Saga, it had a lot more dangerous. It had, it had a lot more detrimental effects to his fighting ability than it did. It does later on in the series. So that happens. Again, again, that's a curatory on my kind of like uh, adjusting the storyline. Summing it up, I think The World's Strongest is a solid movie with really good action and great character moments that is only really hindered by not having a memorable main villain or henchman. Although I personally enjoyed the sight of a giant brain robot and an old man with a gun arm fighting our heroes, I gave this one a 5 out of 10 in terms of Dragon Balls. It's a bit weird you guys are only covering the first two movies and not the Tree of Mine also. Yes, it makes sense when you are where you are with the series, but the first three movies have been presented together to the American audiences. On that note, it's too bad we'll never get a chance to see these movies on the big screen. It's so strange the, the difference in how Japanese audiences not only accept movies based on whether, on what is basically kids programming, but the really high-profile ones will get yearly releases. 
How many shows did you watch growing up that you wish had theatrical movie releases tied into it? Hmm, that's a good question. All of them. <laughs> Every last one, especially in Cartoon Network with that Dexter's Lab. <laughs> I could go on about the movies, but it would just be more of me agreeing with you guys, which is awesome about and on what is awesome about them. It's too bad most fans write them off because they aren't canon, or they think of the movies as being bad as a whole and don't look at them individually. Your show reminds me of what is great about them and why I enjoy this series so much, which is why I'll keep on listening. So till we get news about the adventures of a Chi-Chi movie, I'll just have to wait for your next episode. P.S. Movie 4 is the only one I haven't watched either. Perhaps I'll save viewing until you guys cover it so I can come at it with new eyes myself. Sincerely, Daniel Yarbrough. Thanks, man. I... I specifically, we, we did not cover Tree of Might mainly because <laughs> the, 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 the very presence of certain characters is a spoiler. Um, it's, it's, it's a rather obvious spoiler, but it's still kind of a spoiler, even though there were, it was shown at a certain time where we are in the, in the series. But just, just for continuity's sake, we, we're not going over it just yet. Also, one or two of Goku's techniques is, is something that he does a little bit later on. Um, but thanks again. The, our last email is from Frederick Hennison, uh, spelled with a K. So I assume this is from this is not just Frederick, but Frederick. But if we're pronouncing this incorrectly, please email back in and correct correct my idiocy. But uh, Jesse shall read this one. And what does he say, Jesse? <clears throat> okay, Frederick starts off. Hello there, Don and Jesse, and thanks for an awesome podcast. You're welcome. I found this podcast through the Spider-Man crawl space. Username there is Fantasy Freak, oh, and I decided to take a look. And in just five second, or five episodes, you have succeeded in completely revi- reviving my interest in the franchise, which has been dead for a couple of years. There is so much I'd like to discuss, but I'm going to try to keep it as brief as I can. First off, great review of the movies. Personally, I prefer Dead Zone over World Strongest, but I can see why other people might not. But I do have a couple of questions. Do you know if there have been any confirmation that if on if Garlic Jr. is the same alien race as Kami and Piccolo? Because from what I can understand, there's a somewhat a general consensus, <laughs> but I've never seen an official source on it. Second, I think I saw in some episode listing somewhere that there is a filler arc somewhere down the line involving Garlic Jr. returning. Have you seen it? And if so, did, what did you think of it? Out of all the movies, I think the first Brawley movie is my favorite, and second... The second one is okay, but the third one is hysterically bad. Once again, great show, and looking forward to more. Thank you, Frederick. Um, covering the first question, Kami and Garlic Jr. are not the same race. Flat out, that's that's never even been, as far as I know, that's never even been insinuated at. Um, and uh, Garlic Jr., as we'll learn, is not really Namekian because all Namekians look alike. Um, the second one, I have, seen, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Pretty much in between the Frieza saga and the Android saga, in the in in the anime, they had this storyline where Garlic Jr. actually came back, um, which again, which is, is not really canon, but it's sort of like you know like a biding time kind of storyline, and it's interesting because it's not part of the actual story. I don't think we'll cover it in chron- in chronological order. Like once we're done with the Frieza saga, I don't think we'll actually cover that. But um, we can probably cover that later on down the line if, if Jesse cares to, if he wants to see that. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested in it. And you said it's part of the anime, but it's not canon. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a, like like basically like like, like the, you know like when Goku goes down to hell or stuff that really didn't happen. Oh, okay, in the okay, story. okay. Yeah, oh, gotcha. Like DBZ Kai won't doesn't have it doesn't have it, and um, you know it's, it's like a side thing. I mean, it's, it's I think it's about like maybe like six or seven episodes long, 
as as a as a, as a sort of a mini arc, and, and it's entertaining for what it is. But uh, I think it would be it would be, it would be, we would probably cover it like we would cover the movie as sort of as sort of a one off if we choose to do so. But right now we'll probably just barrel on through. But yeah, I, I have seen it. Um, I I think I've only really sat down and watched it when it first aired on Toonami. Um, do you remember any of that, or was it? Did you not catch that? Uh, I didn't remember. I I was familiar with Garlic Junior. In the past, but I may have seen it from that, but I can't take any of the, the storyline from it. Right. Okay. And it's interesting because they, they do like like explicitly reference the movie, um, although because it's working off the series, there are certain controversies that they have to like ignore. But whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, we might cover that later on down the line. And that was our last email for this episode. Thanks to everyone that emailed in, and uh, for all you. <laughs> For all you pitiful cowards out there who didn't email in, uh, please do so. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And um, if you again, if you guys, if you guys have not join the Facebook page, just look on Facebook.com and type in next dimension Dragon Ball Z podcast. Now, let's get us into some storyline. Goku. Yeah. Hey, boy. Oh no. <laughs> How are you? Can you move at all? Easy now, Bulma. Sorry if I can't get up to say hello. That's all right. Rest now. You've done enough for one day. Oh, Master Corrin. Uh, I'm afraid I've got some bad news, guys. Bulma, you know, there's no easy way to say this, but Yamcha, well, he, uh, he didn't make it. Mm, yes, I know. He fought bravely, didn't he? Uh, oh, so then, uh, I guess you know about Piccolo and Kami. They're gone, too. And that means so are the Dragon Balls. I won't be able to wish anyone back. Shut up! I said I already know! I'm really sorry. Yes, me too. It's too bad. If only Piccolo and Kami had survived. Hey, I'm still here. That's not true! You're useless! Where were you when they needed you? You should have died, not Yamcha! You! So, uh, we continue the storyline uh, in the aftermath, the wake of the Saiyan Saga. Goku, Gohan, Krillin, and Yajirobe are the only survivors, obviously. And um, they're, bas- they're basically like laying in their own rubble uh, until Sakura Bleu, uh, Beacon from Above, their friends arrive. You know, Master Roshi, Chi-Chi, Bulma, Korn's there as well. And although he doesn't have any sense of beings, he's useless that way. He is there to provide some comfort. <laughs> um, essentially, uh, as Chi-Chi's basically falling over Gohan, uh, and G- Goku uh, is taken up by uh, Roshi and Korin, they are, they all, everyone starts to realize that because Piccolo is dead, their friends can't be brought back to life because the Dragon Balls are now disappeared with Kami and Piccolo both gone. And what follows is essentially a, 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 a succession of very depressing scenes. But beyond that, um, Krillin does make mention that there is a slight possible minuscule hope that they can find Dragon Balls somewhere else in outer space because flashing back to what Vegeta told Nappa... 
uh, he made mention that Piccolo and Connelly were aliens, as if you couldn't guess, and um, <laughs> that they could find their home world, which was uh, said to be Planet Namek. And if they find, if they go into Planet Namek and find those Dragon Balls, they can wish back Piccolo and Kami and get their original Dragon Balls back. Um, at first, it seems hopeless because Bulma uh, points out that they have no idea where this magical planet even is, or or, or even that they, they can even get to it. Um, but King Kai actually is listening to them, eavesdropping from outer from in other world, and tells them that although Planet Namek did go through a a, a bit of a climate change and wiped out a lot of its citizens, they did re, uh, reflourish, and there are Namekians who are actually peaceful and not like Piccolo. So if they find Planet Namek, they would be able to bring back their friends with the Namekian Dragon Balls. Um, at first, Bulma's still kind of being, you know, Debbie Downer and saying, well, there's no way that we can get there because it takes us about, I wrote the, I wrote the, the number down, 4,339 years and three months to get there. But Krillin says, ah, but you forget. While you guys were mourning your dead friends, I was playing around with Vegeta's remote control <laughs> that, still, that, that he dropped. So if we use, so their idea is essentially to take Nappa's spaceship, which was big enough to hold him, and use it to fly off to planet Namek. So they think this is, this is a good plan. And their goal now is to travel to Namek and find the Dragon Balls and restore their friends back to life. In the city, in the hospital... Goku is basically in a full body cast, <laughs> head to toe, <laughs> looking like a mummy, which is which is pretty funny. Um, he's actually he. They say that his injuries are so bad that he, it'll take four months for him to heal, and even then he won't totally recover. Although Corrin says, "Ah, don't worry. In about a month's time, I'll grow some sensi beans, and uh, you'll be back to your normal self in no time." Krillin and Gohan are, you know, they're still injured, but they're okay. Um, and Yajirobe just has like one or, one or two bandages because he didn't do much. <laughs> um, and um, when Bulma arrives to use the uh, to use Nappa's spaceship to to you know help them fly dynamic, they see they see a news report to see that's, that's examining the, the the space pod. Bulma push, pushes a button on the remote control and it explodes. So epic fail. <laughs> um, and she blames it on Krillin. Yeah, she blames she blames it on the guy who was who was had the idea of go find the Namekian Dragon Balls in the first place. Um, so there's a lot of like, what do we do? What do we do? This is all your fault. This is all your fault. And then out of nowhere, uh, a big black genie appears in the window, <laughs> floating in the sky. Um, it's Mr. Popo, not actually black, but he is he is a, a sort of genie magical man. And um, he says, there is something that could get them dynamic, but he's not sure what it is. He he needs somebody to inspect it, inspect it with him. And um, since Bulma is the most technologically minded person in the group, she's let it go. The source of the of the object is in this place far off at the edge of the world called Yunzabit Highlands, and when they travel there with a uh, uh, Popo's, it's <laughs> another one of those explanation things. Popo's flying carpet, which can travel faster than the speed of light, apparently. <laughs> um, they they get there and they inspect it, and Popo relays this story that Kami. Kami's origin story is essentially that as a child he found himself on Yunzabit Heights next to the next to the the big monstrous looking ship, not knowing who he was, not knowing where he came from or where his parents were. He actually waited there for years until he finally grew up and left. And every now and then he would return, but there was no sign that anybody related to him would return to the ship. But the one thing he did learn of was that the to enter the ship you just had to say a certain word. And that word is Piccolo. Yes. Piccolo, meaning other world, apparently, in Namekian. 
uh, even though Kami didn't know he was an Namekian, he didn't know the language, which was interesting. Um, but never mind. Um, so, Bulma and Popo enter the ship, and after some cajoling, they do learn that if you speak Namekian, it can fly off. And they actually fly around to Jupiter. Back in the city in the hospital, Bulma says all she needs to do is to fix the translator so they can speak English and travel to Namek, which can take them there in about a month's time. Obviously, Goku can't make the trip, but um, uh, Krillin says even though he wanted to train, he can, he can make the trip after a few days of healing. And they say after 10 days of repairs, they can fly off. The last person who, wants to elect, who, who is elected to go is Gohan, uh, volunteering himself despite Chi-Chi's rather vocal protests. And um, after, <laughs> after a crowning moment of awesome, it's agreed that Gohan is going to be the third. So it's Gohan, Bulma, and Krillin flying off to Namek. And um, essentially, they, they do. They After a few days and a haircut with Gohan, they <laughs> we'll talk about that. They get in the ship, save Piccolo, and blast off into outer space to save their friends' lives by restoring them with the Namekian Dragon Balls. <laughs> Going all the way back, Jesse, what were you thinking for the, uh, quote-unquote, the aftermath of Santa Saga and the beginning of the Namek Saga? What's your take on it, man? Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really exciting because it is a lot of build-up, and it's a lot of exposition, uh, which so far the show has been pretty light on. It's a lot – coming off of a lot of action, I think it kind of evens out very well mm-hmm. because I, I was never bored with it. Right. And also getting some backstory you know, with the characters – and getting kind of more of the mythology like regarding Kami and stuff was uh, was very welcome. I enjoyed all of that, too. Yeah, um, I'm not seeing this bit in, like, years. And it was really fun. It was really interesting seeing it again. I actually remember when I was a kid, I thought that, like, the part where she and Popo find the ship, it was a little boring. I was like, oh, I want some action. But watching, watching it, you know, from an older perspective, there is a lot of uh, – I think I said in the past that there wouldn't be as much uh, – Info dumping as there was in the first episode when Raditz showed up, but uh, obviously that was that was untrue. But there was a lot of really interesting uh, progression with the story, especially with Piccolo and Kami's background. Le- learning that Kami came from a peaceful planet and Piccolo was an anomaly, which I didn't really get into, but it kind of they kind of explained why Piccolo was evil, why he was who he was. It's almost like the the inverse of Goku. Yeah, actually, yeah, which is interesting. I, I, Actually, that's exactly what it is. Goku came from a warrior world, sent there to destroy it, and was growing around nice people and became nice. Piccolo was sent from a peaceful world and saw war and killing and death and became me. That I'm not, I, I really, I really never heard that uh, that analogy before. It's really cool. And to kind of take it farther, it seems that uh, you know they made mention that Goku has like Saiyan in him, like that drive to want to fight. So he's he's kind of battling his instincts. And Piccolo, on the other hand, is becoming a more of a good character. So he's he's kind of has that drive in him also. So you kind of say they're they're both hmm. going to like leaning more towards their instincts in opposite directions. That's really cool. And also, I mean, of course, there's there's Gohan, who's like both half human and half Saiyan, and there's always like that whole which Saiyan side or, or which which side in, you know increases his strength, or if he's just a half breed or whatever. I, no, that, I, re- I really did not ever think about or ever heard about that that sort of comparison. That's really cool. Although I, I do want to talk about the, their very beginning. Um, I was, this, this is the very end of the remastered set that I have, where the first entire half of the episode is like depressing as hell <laughs> for good reason. But um, what, what were you thinking about basically? Like, like 
the somber mood of the the story at that point. I I kind of knew where it was going to go with with them wanting to you know to, to resurrect the characters, uh, mm-hmm. but and because Krillin had even kind of mentioned you know hints at, hinted, at, hinted at it before, but at the same time I thought it it did a good job of kind of letting the gravitas of the situation hit and letting the impact of those characters' deaths kind of play out realistically or you know more or less realistically with everybody reacting as you know as you would react they didn't just sugarcoat it okay well we can bring them back to life yeah exactly it was very downplay it was very uh it was very realistic in that the, the, this is one of the, the, the messiest situations they've been in obviously everybody goku's goku needs to be hospitalized immediately uh although chichi doesn't care <laughs> so basically everything's awful all the, the warriors are the warriors are all beaten and bloody. Gohan's naked. Goku is you know can't even barely move his body, and his wife comes out, runs straight towards him, leaps over him, and completely ignores him for the for the entirety of the of the day. <laughs> like and Krillin's like, geez, it's not like your husband's hurt or anything. I show some affection, which was it was it was we we get we get a lot of um uh I don't want to say negative female portrayal, but like the main two. Women in Dragon Ball, uh, <laughs> they're kind of jerks. They, they, yeah, they're very. Uh, I don't want to say negative, but they have the very. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they're very like opinionated and single-minded. Like, Bulma's quick to snap, and Chi-Chi is concerned with pretty much what she's concerned with, and it doesn't really take a lot of other people's opinions into into factor. Yeah. She, Chi-Chi especially is like very much like all she cares. She literally says all she cares about is Gohan and his education. She said she, she, she doesn't give a crap if, if uh, someone says. Dad Joby even said your husband just came back from the dead and saved the world. But she care about him. She's like forget him. He's his his fault that Gohan's here. Of course. And like what about the world? What if it was destroyed? Who cares about the world? All I care about is my son's education. And it's like it reminds me of like you know Vegeta thinking oh Kakarot if you dodge this the world will be destroyed. I mean. You're kind of forgetting what happens if certain things happen, but yeah, I think that's why the, in the scene, uh, jumping a little bit forward in the scene with Gohan and her, it was a very just a good scene, and you were like, okay, wow, well, yeah, he, someone needed to say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we, yeah, we can get into that. We're uh, um, kind of jumping all around, but um, Gohan says, "I want, I want to go. I need to do this for Piccolo. I want to bring him back to life because he sacrificed his life for me." And at first, Chichi's like, "Oh, silly boy, don't you don't know what you're saying." And then, and then she just like starts berating him, like, "Like, what are you talking about? You should act like a kid. Who cares about Piccolo? You should, you should follow your studies." And he literally just says, "Shut up." <laughs> and then, like, everybody, everybody doesn't cheer, but everybody, yeah, every, like even Goku is like smiling, and you know, <laughs> Chichi's dad is even like, "Okay, like respectful of it." Yeah, he's like, he's like, "You lose, ha ha ha," and she's like, "Oh." <laughs> Yeah, and it's uh, while it is a, a, a caricature to an extent, it's also you can see that it's an exaggeration of a mother not wanting to like you know have her son grow up, obviously, especially if he's supposed to be like four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is yeah. you know it is an over exaggeration of that. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, yeah. She. It, it, pretty much everything that she says, because we get a lot of teaching. This. This all. This is all. Was kind of refreshing. At least I, I said that uh, the space the spaceship bit was a bit boring for me as a kid. 
I did like the beginning, uh, and I still do now, because it's a lot more Dragon Ball-esque, and that you have the supporting characters. Yeah, they, don't, they may not be fighters, but these are still family and friends of the characters, and they all care about each other. So you have them kind of discussing. It's a lot like in World's Strongest when um, Oolong and the turtle were de- deliberating on the, the situation. <laughs> it's, it's a lot like that. And um, what I was going to say is that Chi-Chi, everything she says is always about Gohan and his studies or whatever. She doesn't really contribute any thought towards how to bring the others back to life or whatever, which makes her look really bad the entire time. Um, I think literally Jajirobe says, Goku, can I hit her? <laughs> like, because... Uh, I know I know this line from the manga, even though I don't own it. Um, but it's it, it it's kind of interesting, I suppose. I mean, it, we we get more. I mean, this is the first we've seen of Chi Chi with with her family since the very very beginning, and I suppose she's just making up for lost time because yeah. her son's been gone for a year. And her husband. Yeah. Well, well, well who cares about him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does, he's he's inconsequential, but he's completely inconsequential. Uh, that, that I remember that always like made made, made a stamp on who she was as a character, which I, I actually like her a lot more now that I've seen, I've, I've kind of seen the entire Dragon Ball and know where she comes from. Um, even though she's completely different in Dragon Ball. She's, a, it's like in DBC, she's, a, she's all about her sons. In Dragon Ball, she's all about Goku. So it's, there's a huge character shift. But um, I suppose it is what it is. Um, I know, I, I did compare this with Dragon Ball Z Kai, the first scenes where they are, um, oh, th- one thing I should say, the scene where Everyone is like uh, realizing that the Dragon Balls are gone because Piccolo's dead. It's completely different in the manga, and for 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 a legitimate reason because we said in past episodes that in the anime the fight with the Saiyans was was being um, recorded, was being broadcast. So in the anime they saw Yamcha die, and and presumably everybody else died. I know I know they saw Yamcha die, but we didn't see them react to the others' deaths when. Krillin says uh, in the anime, you know, I hate to break it to you, but Yamcha didn't make it. She says, oh, yeah, I know. We saw it on TV. He says, oh, well, I guess, you know, Piccolo's dead, too. And, like, everybody, th- at that point, everybody starts to kind of get depressed over it. In the manga, when we first see the, these, these side characters, they come, they come down. Krillin says, I'm sorry, Bone, when Yamcha died. She says, <laughs> she's like, oh, I figured that. But we at least with the Dragon Balls are wishing back to life. And then Krillin's uh-huh. like... <laughs> Yeah, she's like, that doesn't surprise me, but at least we can bring him back to life. Krillin says, well, about that. And then she says, what, you said four of you survived, right? So I assume Piccolo lived. And then Yajirobe shows up out of, you know, um, under from under a rock. And then she just starts to lose it. Uh, <laughs> which, at first, is kind of comedy, but then it gets really sad. And then Moshi's like, he's like, damn, I really thought Piccolo was going to was gonna be able to make it. Um, which is inter- it's an interesting kind of thing, because... Uh, it's drawn a certain way. I mean, I, I don't know why they had to do that, but I guess because it's, a, it's, it's an instance of the anime not realizing how the, manga, the manga was going to play out and kind of just guesstimating what the story was going to be like. And they kind of had to wrap, write themselves around that. Huh. I can, I can see that. It, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting comparison. Because um, it basically, it, basically it, it went to the same place. What approach what, do you prefer? Well, honestly, I, I approached the, the anime version because... Bulma, <laughs> I really like the scene where Bulma sees Yamcha die because, like, like we talked about, it was it was a very human emotion, human reaction. We saw Puar's reaction, which which was vitally important, and um, uh, it's a lot better than well, of course Yamcha died, but at least we can bring him back to life. It's, it's a lot less callous, I suppose. That's the thing. A lot of the emotion in the in the original manga is kind of 
given a short shrift in certain places where the anime kind of bigs it up. And that's why I, I tend to prefer some things that the anime does as opposed to the manga. So I would, I would probably prefer the, the anime. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think around these same lines because I do have I do have some notes, but they're kind of just like thoughts I had, like when they were picking up the bodies of the fighters, which was depressing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, here's a question I have. Because you said you watching the Jap- you you still watching the Japanese version? Uh, these episodes I've actually watched in the English uh, English dub. Okay. What was going on when um they were picking up the bodies? Because I saw the the Kai version just just for comparison. Was there like, like some 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 lady singing in the background? Did you yeah, like like a weird song, kind of just like under undercutting the entire scene. Uh, undercutting exactly. It was, it was it wasn't like a Japanese thing. It was like it was like a pop song. Yeah, I I just kind of <laughs> went with it. I was like, oh, all right, it's it's kind of weird. I didn't know if it was added from the English dub or not. I don't know because I'm not. I don't know if, if the Japanese version had. Um, that in there. I don't think it. I don't, I don't see that why they would because it's, it, you know. The original version is made for Japanese audiences. Why would there be an English pop singer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in, in the, the original anime version that I have, there's a big musical sting, but it's not like, there's no lyrics. It's like, dun, 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 which is still out of place. <laughs> but um, it's it, it was just a very odd odd, odd scene. And I remember, I remember that especially because that was another scene that... Uh, that was censored, or at least cut out in the first time they showed it, like, you know, where, like, uh, what was she saying? Um, where's Chauci's body? And Krillin says, oh, there is none. He blew himself up. <laughs> you should have seen the pink smoke. It was everywhere. Ah, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that, that scene, again, uh, it, it's, it's essentially because all, all we've been covering up to this point is fighting, 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 and now it's just kind of like, you know, the results of that, the results of that war, and it's, and it's Pretty, pretty dang depressing. I, I have, I literally have in my notes, effing morose. <laughs> so, uh, just, just going on from that, because that's, that's the order that I have my thoughts down. What were you think? You said you liked about um, that they, they that they uh, was was revealing more about Piccolo's origin. We basically get the explanation as to Piccolo and Kami, um, which, no, no duh, they're aliens. But, uh, <laughs> well, like, what were your thoughts on you know the revelation about all that? How it played out. It was uh. It's pretty dynamic, obviously. You know, you go to a. I like the visuals of the overgrown uh, spaceship, kind of encased, like and looked like in rock almost. And yeah. then you know they go to this place where you found out that he lived, like his whole life. You know, until he grew up. And it's it's kind of yeah, like I said, goes back to Goku. You know, you blast your son onto the other planet, and you give him directions, and it's pretty sad. He said, "Oh, just stay here and wait," and that's all he knew for, you know, until he was an adult, basically. And with him being so old, you know, it's like who knows how long he could have been there. And it's it's uh, it's kind of mythical to in, in an extent, mm-hmm. while still being sci-fi. So I think it's a pretty good blending of that. It didn't feel out of place. Oh yeah, no, especially with like Dragon Ball, which is a lot more, uh, a little bit more mythical with like the whole transforming to a monkey thing. It's interesting because because you know in, in this coverage we find out that we can basically ascertain. How Kami got there, and essentially, you know, the creation of Piccolo. Um, that's never, that's never really, you know, like, like explicated, you know, as fact. As in, you know, yes, Kami, you were definitely sit here for this reason, this reason. I mean, but we basically, we basically figured it out, you know, like there was this big, it was essentially global warming on on planet Namek. Not saying, not saying it's on Earth because I don't want to start that debate, but uh, we can basically. I mean, what, what what we learn from here is basically that we guess that. As though Planet Namek were Krypton, they sent 
uh, one of their children to a distant planet just to escape the big drought, which which I thought was interesting. I, I like it when when stories leave it to, for the audience to figure out as opposed to kind of dispelling it out for you. Although they kind of did. Although I will say that uh, because because what we covered mainly is just fighting, fighting with the, the characters who fight. Um, the narrative kind of changes, and for a little while, like at least for an episode or two, Bulma's the main character, and we get, we kind of get we kind of get more characterization of her. So I suppose now would be as a best of time as any to say like like what were you thinking about the fact that the story was kind of following her and not Goku or Gohan? I like that that you know as you said the narrative did change with with some of the action out of the way and with Goku laid up in bed, it was able to kind of shift the focus onto more characters. And I think that's appropriate, particularly, you know, regarding the spaceships and stuff. With her characterization, it would make most sense for it to shift towards her. And right. it kind of lets her shine and lets, you know, her aspects of her personality come out that you may not have seen from watching the show so far, you know, or may not have, like, had. And it's – I think it's a good time – it's a good approach to your supporting cast in the show to, like, kind of give them all their – to give people their certain, like, episodes to kind of focus on and even you know and particularly when it's prudent to the plot like it makes sense you know it isn't kind of taking like a, a digression in the show to to focus on it oh yeah like, like the storyline requires her to be the, the storyline requires her to progress the story essentially yeah the storyline um, or the storyline helps progress her characterization or yeah mm-hmm. which was interesting because like i mean bone was really annoying <laughs> Uh, and I, and I, I mean, I think I can pretty much say that. Like, she complains about the cold. She's like, oh, I'm, I, she goes on later on about how I'm a delicate flower. You should treat me like a lady or whatever. And she's just yeah. this gigantic, <laughs> basically adult. I mean, I mean, she's she's smart. She has use, but her personality leaves a lot to be desired. Which I kind of st- straight up, it's annoying to take that. But like, I kind of like because it is it is the writer actually it, giving this character personality and not just writing her as the chick. Or as the techno genius, you know, mm-hmm. she, 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 she's human and that she is selfish and that she is, I mean, she's not, she's not totally selfish. I mean, she is doing this to bring back people, bring back people back to life, her boyfriend back to life and everything like that. But she is, she can be cowardly at times. She, she can be, uh, you know, kind of afraid about it, but she's, she's kind of confronts that. So there was some nice characterization with her throughout, throughout both like this part and like what we'll get onto later um, when, when they reach down to dynamic. Spoiler. <laughs> non-spoilers um one part i did like and i th- I know i know kai kind of truncated this a bit but uh when they figure out that the, the ship needs to be uh flown while speaking to mechian they show a shot of piccolo and they show like this weird green text over him um do you remember that it was really brief uh yeah, i think so you, you said when, com- oh, when they were talking about the mechian when, when when he and when she and pope when boba and popper were uh in the ship um, and they were saying, oh, wait, maybe this needs to be flown into Mechian. Come to think about it, I remember Piccolo speaking to Mechian once, and they show Piccolo, like, kind of, like, talking, and, um... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I was, I guess, was that to kind of, like, let you know what Namekian was? Like, like, Piccolo, you know, so conscious Flash. Well, it's interesting because, um, that was actually a shot from, uh, uh, Dragon Ball. That was, that was in the last arc, the, the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai basically the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament where he went up against Goku. Um, and that scene in particular, and this is what was in the original anime, they show a little bit more of that in the flashback, that he was basically, this is a little bit, little bit hard to explain, um, uh, but he was basically fighting Kami in the tournament, and he and Kami were speaking to Mechian. And at the time, no one knew what was going on, but they just assumed that like it was a language that only people who looked like Piccolo and Kami could speak. 
And it go and it kind of goes back to the point that, uh, and this is something that you know I recently found out, that while Akira Trauma as a story, you know, just by the nature of the manga industry and by his nature as a storyteller, he basically plans these out, only, you know, one one chapter at a time or a week's head. He did have Piccolo and Comedy's origins mapped out from the very beginning, like since then, like all the way before Dragon Ball Z started, which was kind, of, which, which it was it was a nice kind of callback to that. So he he kind of had you know he. He's kind of going with the flow, but has bullet points he knows he wants to kind of reach or stuff he, he kind of has in mind for for later. So it's kind of cool. It's a good yeah, approach, exactly. I think. Yeah, I mean, in, in that scene, like, um, they just start, like, they're, ah, you, like, look at you or whatever. And they kind of just speak in another language. And it's a total, like, non-sequitur. It's almost like, like, at the time, it's like, you know, what's the point of this? It just says that they're weird or whatever. Like, oh, like what does this mean? And it, it, ha- it has a definite uh, repercussions now. Which is cool. And um, in Dragon Ball, Kami and Piccolo had a connection, right? They 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 knew that they were. Yeah, Kami was very good, and Piccolo was like the big bad, and um, Kami was all about stopping Piccolo. And he basically trained. He essentially trained Goku so he could fight Piccolo, because uh, you know, uh, you know the, the Piccolo we know now because that one was being born. Um, it, it's kind of complicated, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, they were they were like you know bitter enemies, and like Piccolo, and you'll see later on. Uh, in the in the series that Piccolo and Kami don't even like each other. Even even after Piccolo's now a good guy. Piccolo like, you know, it's like, oh you old weak man and Kami's like, well you, you young whippersnapper and all that kind of stuff. Which is kinda of funny. Uh, <laughs> uh let's see, let's see, let's see. We talked about Gohan yelling at Chi Chi, which was his crowning moment of awesome. <laughs> even with that hair. Oh yeah, yeah, we we got that's that's something we can get to like uh the fact that uh well what what I like is that when they when they go to travel, when they go to uh, blast off, Krillin totally is just like a tourist. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I don't know what his expectations for Namek is, but he's got the hat that has like his name on it. Yeah, that was it, it said uh Kame Senen Kame is basically like like the turtle master in Japanese. Kami means turtle. Kamehameha is turtle wave. Uh you see what they did there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, to me, it was like, Master Roshi has a merchandise and Krillin bought a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. Uh, but yeah, like, and I think Bulma calls him on it, like, like, why are you dressed like that? He's like, why are you dressed like that? And, and Gohan totally, Gohan's dressed like he's going to, like, an opera or something. Yeah, like, first day at prep school. Yeah, with, 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 uh, what we should say is, um, literally like a Mo Howard uh, yeah, <laughs> second doctor looking Doctor Octopus having bowl cut, which is, looks looks horrible on him, and, and and the characters know it. He says, "Oh, Dad made fun of me too," <laughs> which I was always funny. And Chichi's like, "Oh, he looks like a little gentleman." He's like, "Oh, Mom." And as soon as he gets in the spaceship, he he's changing out of that. I love it. Yeah, he, and yeah, he he. I like to say, I made this clothes secret myself because I'm so smart, and he basically. Dresses up right like right like Piccolo, which which I which you know after coming off of the heels of World's Strongest, she thought that he would start singing at that point, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> like Krillin's like you really respect Piccolo, don't you? He's like just about as much as my dad. Dun 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 dun. Cut the musical. <laughs> and Krillin's like, well, I'm I'm with these two for like a month. <laughs> um yeah, so that's essentially it. those are all my notes on the first half. If you have anything uh, more, please bring them on. Uh, I want to say there was something funny that happened with Master Roshi, but I can't remember what it is now. I mean, no, I think it happens later on. I'm sorry, but because I just remember that because uh, Roshi doesn't really have a lot to do. 
in these episodes. Yeah, he's he's just there to mourn and to and to uh, tease Bulma and stuff. No, that's what it was. Okay, now I remember when uh, when Bulma busts through the door with the uh, with the remote to Vegeta's or to the alien spacecraft before she blows it up. He's like, oh yeah, hey, it's me. And Master Roche is like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was a mannish nurse with an outdated '80s haircut. Oh yeah, because <laughs> at this time Bulma has like this huge hair, which she, I, I guess she grew. He's <laughs> like, how did you grow this? Yeah, she she went from like having she went from having like a boyish cut at the beginning of the series to having her ponytail in a in a red bow to having this like literally like yeah like like this '80s hair and a and flock then, of like, seagulls. Like like this wavy like like Disney esque hair, and then like she cuts it for space, um, which which I don't want to say is a reference to anything, but she does that all the time. Like she literally she does that a lot too in Dragon Ball. Like go through different hairstyles, which I do like from an artistic standpoint because it's 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 realistic. It was I really do like the, yeah, I do like the characters at least as, as, uh, acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever somebody has a haircut, they say, "Oh, look look at that haircut." They don't pretend like they've always known about it. And uh, unless you got anything else, we can uh, break for a bit and come back with uh, the epic return of a familiar character. Dun dun dun! No, that's it for me for the sections. So. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Bad Girl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Bad Girl to Oracle is a podcast and site dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the Bad Girl mantle for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1985. The goal of BTO is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Bad Girl and continue on through her current tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at vintage issues of Detective Comics and Batman and modern issues of Bad Girl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I examine Barbara Gordon's appearances in the media, such as TV, film, etc. I've been blessed to be able to interview writer Brian Q. Miller, and I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Please visit us online at batgirltooracle.net and look for us on iTunes. Thank you. Yo, Vegeta, word is, somebody we all know and love got their butt handed to them. <laughs> Raditz and Nappa did even worse, I hear. Now who could possibly give the Saiyans such a hard time? Aren't you supposed to be invincible? Back off, Kui. If I'd intended to listen to such drivel, I'd have wrung it out of you myself. Hold on, man. Frieza wasn't pleased with your little stunt, running off to Earth all on your own without permission. <laughs> Too bad he's not here to tell me that personally. <laughs> now unhand me before I do something that'll please him even less. Yes, well, lucky for you, Frieza's merciful. Your fluke has him feeling gracious. He's willing to let bygones be bygones on account of your find. What? Why would he bother holding a silly grudge when he's finally got the prospect of eternal life in his reach? Are you... Are you trying to tell me that Frieza's headed for planet Namek? <laughs> of course, where else? I'm a fool! Frieza's been eavesdropping on the Scouters! If I don't beat him to the punch, I'll be that bastard's puppet for eternity! Now don't tell me you wanted to keep the Dragon Balls all to yourself and not let the big man in on your secret! 
After all he's done for you. Oh, and I hate to dash your own dreams of immortality, but he's gonna kill every last Namekian when he's done. Like hell he will! Hey, get back here! Sir, are you... Looks as though I'll be needing this absurd relic after all. They belong to me. The Dragon Balls are mine. Now, as we return, uh, as we left off, I hear we're flying in space, as you do. Um, at this point, it's been about 18 days since uh, Vegeta escaped and uh, the battle was over. Basically, 18 days since the Saiyan fight. And we see Krillin, Bulma, and Gohan kind of like, you know, like uh, bored, basically, because they have to spend a month in the ship together uh, all alone until they reach Namek. Bulma's drinking beer in her underwear and running around saying, like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I should have frozen myself cryogenically like I was Nora Freeze. Yeah, um, she says, oh, I should have put... Hibernation chambers in here. Oh, because you can just do that like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Science, of course. <laughs> awesome. But um, and and Krillin actually, Krillin and Gohan actually are passing time, uh, image training, which which is kind of nice. Um, and after that, she says, "Oh, I've been thinking about something. What about Vegeta? If if he escaped, where can he go? If 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 planet if his planet home planet Vegeta was destroyed?" And they're like, "I don't know, because I guess I guess when he." heard about the Dragon Balls, he had to come from somewhere. Where does a guy go like that? And they say, well, maybe he goes back to where wherever he goes when he sells plants after he con he's conquered them. And, well, that's where we're going to go in terms of the story. Speak of the devil, uh, 18 days after the fight, Vegeta lands on Frieza Planet 79, which <laughs> which is an odd name for a planet, but uh, we'll get on to why that is later on. Um, there's a bunch of monsters, I should say aliens, Kind of dressed like him, although they're, they're not Saiyans at all. They're all from different species. Some look humanoid. Some look like they're just aliens. Some look like they're just kind of bug reptilian creatures. And they're all from different species. But they all speak English, hmm. uh, conveniently enough. Um, the Galacto language. And uh, they, say, <laughs> they, they, they ask a very logical question. Uh, where is Nappa? Because um, the, the Saiyan pod just scratches alone. And... Vegeta is barely hanging on to life. He's activated his uh, life support system, and you know he's basically dying. So uh, these these loyal friends of his get him into a, a regeneration pod, where he essentially heals. And after some time, Vegeta arrives, you know, tailless because Jajirobe cut off his tail. They said it didn't grow back this time, and Vegeta says, "Ah, oh, it's okay." And um, he has his strength back. He's stronger than ever now, which is a major plot point that we'll get to. And um, Vegeta is back, and he is—he has his eyes set right on Earth. Yeah, well, he, he says he's going to waste no time going right back there. He says, I'll head to Earth in the morning, and this time I won't be so nice. So he's, he's planning to shove his fist up his ass. <laughs> um, but uh, before he does that, he does say, well, first I should probably go to Namek so I can ensure my victory by getting the Dragon Balls. And uh, he runs into this, like, ugly purple-looking guy named Kui. Or, actually, I, sh I should say... It's the the pronunciation's different varies. It's either Kui or Kiwi or Kui. I've seen different spellings. Um, it doesn't matter. Kui uh, is how I heard it pronounced. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll roll with Kui. Um, this long-standing character who we'll see plenty of for the next several episodes. <laughs> Major dividing character in the show. <laughs> the he looks he like does. a fish. 
also, because here's a side. Okay, side note. Uh, interrupting synopsis for a little bit. You know that like all the, a lot of the. If you don't, I mean, I, I'm sure you've probably figured that uh, a lot of the characters' names are puns, essentially. Because the character has a very wacky sense of humor. I mean, Vegeta, Vegeta is basically half of vegetable. You know, with his spiky hair, he looks like kind of a bit. Raditz is like radish. Napa is like you know Chinese Napa's uh, uh, cabbage. Uh, kiwi no, could broccoli be broccoli. Is broccoli? Say what? Oh, uh, broccoli is broccoli. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I know some of the other names are like Japanese for other things. Bulma is Japanese for bloomers, which is slang for women's underwear, which is uh, cute. Not really. Um, cute or creepy. Creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> um. And obviously, there's not really a pun, but like the whole uh, Kame thing is really related to Turtle. Kiwi, I don't know if it's like, you know, obviously like a kiwi fruit, but uh, he does look like some sort of like fish that you could, like, you could chop up and eat, um, which I'm sure Vegeta wants to do. Because as it happens, these guys, it's not really said out loud, but it's basically... They my, have beef. I know, yeah, they, 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 they're rivals. They, they, got, they got beef against each other. Um, Later on, Zarbon says, they've been warring for years, and the tension's been building up. They've bound to be fighting now. Um, so, Kui, Kui, there we go. Kui shows up, you know, says, well, 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 look at this guy. <laughs> Where are your friends? Oh, yeah, they're dead. I guess you're all alone now, you lone Saiyan. And Vegeta's like, out of my way, punk, you know, get out of my face. And um, Kui's like, going to Namek? And he's like, what does it matter to you, and how do you know that? Well, it's just funny. Right before you arrive, Lord Frieza... This guy named Frieza, he left for Planet Namek uh, uh, just a little while ago. So we, we're, we're introduced to some information. Vegeta, even though he's the only, the only saying, he's not essentially alone. He does work for some people in this uh, planet bartering trade. And apparently the big boss is named Frieza. And Vegeta freaks out by this dude. He's like, oh my god, what? And he just, he dashes off. He he. At first, he was going to leave his scouter, but he takes it anyway if he's going to find the Dragon Balls. And he just races off to his space bar saying, No, you don't, you bastard! Those Dragon Balls are mine, Frieza! So he races off to Namek. Uh, bad news for our heroes. Speaking of which, uh, Boma, Krillin, and Gohan do land on Namek and um, are all set to find the Dragon Balls when suddenly they see Vegeta land. <laughs> they see his space bot land and they freak the F out. Um... They're like, why, why us? Why, why does I look suck so badly? Um, how is he healed? Why, God, why? And um, they, Krillin quickly devises a plan and says, "Okay, Bulma, you get out of here. Go back to go back to Earth. Get Goku. Uh, tell the others. Tell him that Vegeta's here, and we need backup. Gohan and I will stay here and look for the Dragon Balls because, as long as they don't have all seven, they can't do anything, and we can still have a chance." So they say, "Okay, that's that's a good idea. That that sounds like the right thing to do." Uh, but then, but then they see another ship crash down, which is which is Kui, and um, and it's at this point where Vegeta gets out and senses that Frieza is definitely on the ship, that we are introduced to the big bag for the remainder of the arc. Uh, Frieza is a pink, effeminate-looking <laughs> alien creature with uh, horns jutting out of the sides of his head. He is a man, uh, if you can't guess by the appearance. Um, and I'm being serious, by the way, <laughs> uh, with purple lipstick. Um, he, he, he's a very small creature with, with a tail that resides in this, this floating pod. But he is, he, he, you get the sense that he is like the big gangster boss of the entire galaxy. 
Um, he has guys working for him that are similar looking to the guys on the Freezer Planet 79. And his two right-hand men are on his right, a big, pink, fat, uh, blowfish-looking guy with, uh, again, purple lips named Dodoria. And on his left, a more humanoid but still blue-skinned, ha- blue green-haired, pretty boy-looking guy with like a, a necklace on his forehead named Zarbon. <laughs> and a cape, which is kind of cool. I like caves. Um, so uh, these are our villains, Frieza and his henchmen, Dodoria and Zarbon. And they have these Dragon Balls, which I uh, should also mention are huge. They, they're like round and you can basically hold them in your armpit. They're not like hand-sized like they are on Earth. So as, as all the players are now set, um, they, on, the, on their scouters, they sense that Gohan and Krillin have landed. So they, sent, they have scouts go there to investigate. These guys, which are basically two thugs, find Krillin, Gohan, and Bulma, destroy the ship in one shot, uh, keeping Bulma there with Gohan and Krillin, and essentially threaten to kill them. But as it happens, they're not, they're not very strong, so Gohan and Krillin knock them out in one hit. Yeah, they mask their power levels and then like surprise the crap out of them and yeah, go to town on them. Yeah, it's, it's a callback to like what happened with Raditz, where they they can charge up and uh, be stronger than they appear to be. Yeah, they, and they. It's just like you said, they, they just they just owned them completely. Um, Bulma yells at them, and, and it just starts crying because she's stuck on there, apparently, for her, the rest of her life. And um, they devise a plan to just, to, to just head off to camp and try to, find, try, to, try to reconvene and try to think of what they're going to do later on. Meanwhile, Vegeta, who is on his way to find the Dragon Balls, realizes that Kui is there and um, decides to sell their rivalry once and for all. Um, so Kui says, you fool, um, your power level used to be equal to mine, the same as mine, 18,000, but your power level is shown to be even weaker. What happened on Earth? Did you get crippled or something? And Vegeta just kind of smiles and smirks and then says, well, let me tell you something. Every time a Saiyan is, is, is natural combat and gets injured, he, uh, once he heals, his strength increases by a great deal. The worse the inju- injury, the greater the strength increase. And he just starts powering up and, uh, <laughs> Kui, Kui craps himself and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, man. <laughs> wait, you don't want to do this. I'm on your side. We can take on Frieza together. And Vegeta's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd rather kill you and, you know, take on Frieza by myself. So, yeah, tells so, him to have some dignity. <laughs> yeah, I love that line. <laughs> like, spare me, have some dignity before I kill you. <laughs> you SOB. So, um, you know, Kui, knowing that he can't outfight Vegeta, you know, comes up with one last noble, honorable, honorable strategy. Hey, look over there! Huh? <laughs> and um, blasts the heck out of him. Th- thinks he's killed him because there's no sign of Vegeta there. But Vegeta's like off to the side saying, Yoo-hoo! And, uh, <laughs> and uh, just proceeds to... Uh, yeah, he, he finishes Kui. Um, literally punches the stuffing out of him and then, then just explodes him. Uh, I just say blasts him. Explodes him. It's pretty awesome. That's like his new move. He did it to Nappa, he did it to Kui... Yeah, it's, it's it's his finisher. He just points his fingers, and the guy just the guy just like blows up like like a like a burst balloon. Um, so there's there's Kui, uh, the most important character to have never really made a difference. And um, the story will never be the same. Well, actually, it does have some impact, <laughs> ironically so, because when Vegeta was powering up uh, on the scouters that Zarbon and Doria had, Zarbon's scouter busted, uh, tapping out at twenty two thousand. 
Dodoria's power, Dodoria's scouter says that Vegeta tapped out at 24,000, which is much stronger than he used to be, and he ended up def- destroying Kui. Um, but Freeze is not, not uh, threatened by this, and they make off to find the next Dragon Balls. They already have four. Gohan, Krillin, and, and Bulma make camp at a nearby cave and hide when they sense these humongous power levels. Gohan and Krillin basically have a heart attack sensing Freeze's power level and realize that he has the Dragon Ball saying this guy is worse than Vegeta. Okay, Bulma, and they say, Krillin says, okay, Bulma, tell, phone home and tell everyone what's going on. Gohan and I are going to find at least one Dragon Ball and, you know, the hunt is on, so, you know, do that. <laughs> so, yeah, the hunt is on. There's a three-way battle for the Dragon Balls. On one side, you have Frieza and his goons. One side is Vegeta as a renegade, you know, Saiyan warrior. And on the other side is the good guys, Gohan, Bulma, and Krillin. But what about Goku? <laughs> the guy that we've been following for the last several episodes. He's still on Earth. A month later, um, he's slightly more healed, slightly less bandages, but he's still in no shape to fight. Um, but Roshi tells him that after getting the phone call from Bulma from another planet, that's some really good reception, that... Um, <laughs> That he tells them the situation that there's there there are villains there stronger than Vegeta and they're in big trouble. Uh, conveniently, <laughs> Yajobi shows up with a bag of Senzu beans, gives Goku one, and he is 100% healed and even stronger. He says that he's off to Namek now and and uh, exposes that Bulma's dad had a spaceship which could fly off uh, to Namek in about six days. It's made from the same spaceship that he, that brought him from planet Vegeta when he was a baby. And he told Goku that he's been making some improvements because uh, Goku wanted to go to Namek too. He wanted to catch up, and he wants to he wants to fly over there and see if it's ready. So as he flies over there on um, on the flying cloud Nimbus slash Kento one, he's thinking to himself, "Someone stronger than Vegeta, stronger than, than the worst guy I've ever faced. How exciting! Uh, great priorities there, Goku." <laughs> And uh, that's where we that's where we head off. Uh, there's a lot of stuff trouble going on on Planet Namek, but uh, there is some hope in knowing that Goku is once again on his way. So uh, now that we're really full into the whole Namek saga, what you thinking, Jess? Wow. Yeah. Like so. Uh, so far, the it really sets the stage for it, and particularly when like Vegeta's now kind of like you said the renegade like. He's a variable in, in the whole setup because you have the bad guys firmly established in this episode or in this, you know, these episodes. You have a good guys and then you have him. And it's it sets up a whole new dynamic because it's not basically the good guys versus Vegeta anymore. You you've kind of you do the, the classic thing of introducing someone, then introducing someone worse, you know, building upon yourself and. If the characters had a problem with Vegeta, you know they're gonna have even worse a problem with Frieza. Mm-hmm. So it it definitely brings attention, and it's kind of it, it does have the you know okay how are they gonna get out of this how you know how are they gonna fix it. But. Yeah, I, I gotta say that like like I think you're gonna really like the next uh, several episodes, this entire arc. Um, I mean this is this is by far one of the most beloved eras of Dragon Ball Z, like this this uh, Namek slash Frieza saga, and um, really it's a lot of it. I think not not all of it, but much of it has to do with like the status quo. It's literally like like a three-way struggle for the Dragon Balls. And this is this is more in line with the Dragon Ball in that Dragon Ball basically consisted of uh, the good guys looking for the Dragon Balls and the bad guys looking for the Dragon Balls. 
And this is sort of a, this is sort of like callback to that, but the 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 circumstances are way 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 more dire. Hmm. It's a lot. It was a lot more. Um, it was never as serious as this. Like these guys are bad news, and uh, the fact that you have one one uh, renegade soldier in Vegeta branching off on his own and trying to find them and in, in rebel against Frieza, I think adds a lot of dimension. And um, I mean, same with Vegeta. This is this is where he becomes sort of like I kind of said back in the at the end of the second that he was a bit of a protagonist, uh, which I think was sort of misplacing my words. But here, I don't want to say he's the protagonist, but he's certainly a protagonist in that. You're really going to, you really are going to be interested in seeing what he does to, uh, to uh, form his own uh, way in getting the Dragon Balls. It's, it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, he's not necessarily an antagonist. He's an antagonist to the main characters, but not necessarily the antagonist of the story, or the central antagonist of the story. Yeah, he's he's not he's not the strongest. He's definitely he's definitely you know bad news, but he's not. At the end of the day, he's not he is not like 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 the worst thing ever on the on the planet. Yeah, and I love the the change of scenery to Planet Namek. Right. We should just, just describe it how it's all like it's 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 green skies. Uh, is it blue lakes or green lakes? Would you say? It's kind of like a teal, kind of kind of can a little bit be a little bit of both. But yeah, it definitely has an alien feel in it. Just in the like the atmosphere looks different, and mm-hmm. like you you could surmise that the atmosphere would be made of like something different to obviously give it a different hue, and it, it looks alien. It's a lot. This, you know, like so far we haven't seen any like a lot of structures or any kind of I guess Namekian made structures there's, or anything. It's, it's a lot of mountainous regions and like you said, lakes. Yeah, there's 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 not there's not like a city like like Earth has. It's it's very very like a um it's very much like like a desolate wasteland. And I think I think it's even mentioned by uh, Krillin that Krillin and Gohan that like uh it looks a lot of like where Piccolo resides in the mountains and stuff. It's, it's almost as though he was sort of like uh, innately sensing out what was Planet Namek's. Yeah, they said they said that, and they said that uh, it also looks like where they fought Nappa, and they first fought Nappa. Yeah, it's a lot like that, except except it's just green everywhere. <laughs> Which is, I think there's a line later on, like like no wonder you're green. Um, it's all, I should also be saying, I mean, they kind of uh, sneak this in later on, but the, the planet has three suns. You're never going to see a nighttime, um, which which. I don't want to say it gets on your nerves, but it's 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 a striking visual for this era for this arc. So get so get used get used to the background. Is all I'm saying. But yeah, I I really I really like this. What what's going on here in the in the story? I think that um, I mean I know what happens, but in terms of like you know the story progression, speaking from the perspective of how the story's moving along, I like that. Uh, I like I like that it's there's there's a lot of different a lot of interesting. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of interesting kind of like jury rigging with the, with the status quo because not only have, you have Vegeta on his own, the good guys are three. It's not Piccolo, Gohan, Krillin, Yamcha, Tien, Goku. It's just Krillin and Gohan and Bulma, who's not even a fighter, which I like. I like that it's 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 the good guys, but it's not like you know the best of the best. Yeah, I do like that too. Like so far this arc, you know, the first three episodes of it, they've really showcased Krillin. And I like that he, you know, while he's not the strongest, he is a central character. And same way with you know Gohan, he's a new character, and he, you know, he's new, still new to fighting. But and he, you know, and he is a kid, but he's he, you know, you're you're pretty f- fully invested in in his adventures. Yeah, um, it's what I, I mentioned before. This is where we get a lot of more of like the Gohan Krillin dynamic, which I really like. It's a very much like a dynamic duo kind of thing where. 
Gohan doesn't worry about Krillin reprimanding him because, you know, he's Piccolo or anything. And Krillin can relate to Gohan because he's not just, like, uber, uber strong. I mean, he is strong, but he's still a kid. And their friendship is wonderful. So it's it's a really pleasurable thing to see uh, this this um, this version of the good guys kind of, like, uh, doing stuff. And, you know, it, it, was, it was like like that one scene where they took down, like, the, the Frieza soldiers. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. I love and that. You know, yeah, they they're both like whooping butt basically. Yeah, and they, and they they can they can sort of say like, "Oh, nice job." Yeah, you too. I mean, they can they're friends and it's and it's fun to see that sort of like dynamic as opposed to uh I mean, just just comparing so so far what we've seen in Dragon Ball or Dragon I should say Dragon Ball Z with Goku and Piccolo, you know, former rivals, and then Piccolo, Krillin and Gohan, which essentially like soldiers. Now, I mean, the the situation the situation is like arguably worse, but the we it's it you're invested in it because uh the your you know your heroes the characters you're following are different essentially not not so much different but it's it's a different um what's the word I'm looking for dynamic yeah it's a different dynamic which which I enjoy um, yeah so far I'd, I'd I would say I find this group of characters more interested than Goku right now okay like you know they show you know moving on to a little bit they show Goku set him up for him you know he's on his way. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, I just want to see more of, you know, the, the guys who are already there. You just reminded me of this. <laughs> I should probably mention, uh, before we get into, like, the, the rest of uh, what I synopsized, there is some filler that I probably should discuss because it's rather notorious. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's not, it's not as long as um, the, the one-year training of the Saiyans, but it is kind of... Uh, <laughs> Well, let, let's let's just see. Let's 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 see. Ready, Jesse? Oh yes. Okay. Um, now, I didn't I didn't pay as much attention to this as I did with the others because, frankly, it's not that very good. But I should mention that um, before we see Vegeta, when they're traveling in space, Gohan, Bulma, and Krillin have a couple of adventures, which, eh, which 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 is I suppose it's fair game. I'm not saying it's a bad idea in and of itself, but uh. The first, actually, the first thing I think is interesting because they run into a group of like space people. It's sort of like Star Trek, where you know they're basically humans in space. Although you know I don't think they are human, but they look human. And these people basically capture this ship and assume that Bulma, Gohan, and Piccolo, or Bulma, Gohan, and Krillin are soldiers of Frieza. I don't know why. But they like you know Frieza, you 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 uh, you're here to capture us because we escaped from Frieza, and you first are introduced to the concept of Frieza as this tyrannical overlord, which I thought was kind of interesting. But um, it I, I would I wouldn't say it's, it's it's so it's you really need to see it because I think you get enough from from Vegeta's uh, perspective, and also on a personal note, I don't re- I don't really like it when when there's a mix up of identities and storylines anyway, in fiction anyway. But uh, that does happen. More notoriously and more annoyingly, <laughs> uh, after that, Gohan, Krillin, and Bulma land in what they think is planet Namek, but actually turns out to be a gigantic trap by two aliens. And this, um, as you might imagine, pisses a lot of fans off regularly. <laughs> um, what proceeds to happen is that they're, we're, we're under the assumption that uh, our heroes are finding the Dragon Balls, which are normal size, on, on, the, on planet Namek. By these two helper Namekians, but the thing is, there there are only two of them, and you don't see any other Namekians anywhere. 
and it's really really it's very much like Dragon Ball like like having adventures and there's there's like a, I know there's a, like at least two to three episodes of this in the original anime and you've later on find out that they they originally crash what happens is the, the guys are fakes they're basically like like you know shapeshifters and what really happens is that uh the three heroes crash landed and were mind probed and the, the bad guys read their minds found out that they're looking for the dragon balls and we're going to steal their ship and essentially what what they just tell you in that exposition is that the audience had their time massively wasted because they were never on Namek in the first place and the storyline is not progressing in any shape or fashion. <laughs> Which annoys the crap out of me just even thinking about it. Yeah, I hate... In fiction, I I despise any type of storytelling like that that kind of says, okay, now, that was all for nothing and we wasted time, so we're back where we started. Yeah, um, it's, it's the definition of filler. The very definition of it. And it's just, ah, oh, God. Uh, it, I, uh, and it would, I really didn't like, I remember when it would rerun, I was like, oh, I do not like this, just because nothing, literally nothing important, I mean, if, if the story's not being progressed, nothing important happens, I mean, I can be bored by certain things, but at least the story's being progressed, I can still watch it, that was just, that was just annoying as hell, um, but that does happen, I, I, I forgot what planet it was, but who cares. Who now, so happen? the characters are aware of who Frieza is? Um... They, well, they at least, I mean, they don't know all about him. They don't know what he looks like, but they are aware of his reputation in the universe. Like, we'll see next time. I mean, this is not a spoiler. We'll see next time that, like, Gohan and Krillin, I mean, in, in this episode that we covered, uh, they at least saw him. They won't know later on until, like, because um, I, I, I know they they see Frieza in action. I'm forgetting if they, if they basically find out who he is by then, or if Vegeta tells them. But they, they'll, I mean, they'll find out very, very soon. But going uh, on the original anime's continuity, going into it, they are aware of Frieza. They, they don't know he's on Planet Namek, but they are aware of his existence, which isn't a bad thing. But it's just, it's it's kind of postponing the yeah. actual storyline. I, I should also say that another thing that I, um, that was postponing the storyline is that while this is going on, you would see Goku try to escape from the hospital. <laughs> and continue, <laughs> and continue his training, and uh, he would actually go back to the place where he fought Vegeta, and like you know, try exercising and training. But because his his injuries weren't properly healed, he would collapse, and they would literally have to go take him back to the hospital all over again. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, that's zany. <laughs> that really is. That really is irritating. Because like literally, there there's literally a shot of like Roshi and Chi Chi rushing him on a, on a, on a um on a stretcher it's into the hospital all over again and it's like oh no Goku's in the hospital again it's, it's like come on well in the episodes I watched uh, the doctor they have some rapport that implies that Goku is like not a very good patient yeah because he's doing he's like doing sit-ups and Roshi's like watching him and tra- training with him and the doctor's like you know you can't keep doing this you know you're not going to heal correctly yeah, I do like, I do like Roshi like encouraging him. He's like, like four more. <laughs> yeah, as he's sitting there watching him do it. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. Um, which isn't Goku's character? It absolutely is. It's just, I mean, if if the guys, you know, if there's going to be forward progression in a story, don't go back to the for the to the very beginning. It's 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 like Goku falling into hell and starting all the way back on Snake Way. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of jerking around with the audience, which I I. Nah. 
That 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 always annoys me. It's inconsequential I mean, storytelling that doesn't serve a purpose, really. Yeah, it it, it, it it captures your attention in a in a false manner, I think, or it, for false reasons. Um, because because I should say that like again, watching this for the first time after years, there were things that, that there were things that I completely forgot. Like there are little little nuances that were not in, in Kai because I did I did watch the last two episodes with with Kai, uh, with Vegeta, and um, there were little bits like Gohan. On the episode when he when he yells at Chi Chi saying I'm going mom I'm going shut up, um, before then, when the idea that they they can actually fight Namek is introduced, Gohan does sneak Gohan does sneak out of his out of his out of his room, when Krillin and Goku are napping, and Chi Chi's like What's wrong with you two? Where's my son? And um, he actually like tests out his uh, his healing you know his body because he like he steps onto a ledge and steps and sees if he can walk normally. And starts to unravel his, his bandages, and Chi Chi finds him and says, "Gohan, you silly boy, you, you have to heal first. And but we learn that Gohan is already healed because of you know his Saiyan heritage, which which I thought was a nice bit of extra stuff because that does progress the story in an, in an inconsequential fashion. And I th- I think there's even a bit afterwards where where Chi Chi leaves the room after after uh, Go- Gohan yells at her, and Goku tells Gohan, "Here, son, hit my hand." They kind of test out his strength, which is kind of a nice moment. Stuff like stuff like that's cool. Stuff like falling on fake Namek and fighting fake Dragon Balls and not doing anything of importance is not. Damn that. But um, okay, back to the actual storyline. <laughs> um, what 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 else? What else? What else? What are some observations that you had? Uh, uh, jumping jumping from just them landing on there. Um, let's see. What, what, whatever you got really doesn't really matter. I like the design of the aliens. They each seem to be pretty diverse, as mm-hmm. far as like kind of you know easy to to differentiate them all and they the the main two henchmen seem both to have be, obviously be visually differently different but have personalities that are different also so i'm looking forward to seeing them interact with the characters about, with, uh, with the heroes anyway are you talking about like a Zarbon, like like the blue guy and the pink guy essentially yeah, yeah yeah the blue the, the fat guy and the and the guy with the necklace on his face yeah the pretty boy yeah oh yeah, yeah that, 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 that's another thing we're introducing yeah we're introducing more villains i mean frieza obviously but Supporting villains, you know, like it's sort of like a video game. Can you like you know level up to these guys? Because Vegeta does say, he says, I should be able to take out to take out Zarbon and no problem. But Frieza is still way too powerful. I must work my way up. So you get an idea of where the story could possibly possibly be heading. And I think particularly you'll you'll be surprised, pleasantly surprised in some instances because it is, it, it's it's not predictable how the story plays out, and it is very interesting. Oh, here's a question I have that, that was I was I thought, I thought about. Uh, it takes 18 days for Vegeta to get from Earth to his Frieza planet headquarters. And we learn that Frieza just left. This is all after Gohan Piccolo... I keep on saying Piccolo. Gohan, Krillin, and Boma leave for planet Namek. And it takes a month to get from Earth to Namek. How long are we supposed to assume that it took for Frieza and Vegeta to reach Namek? From... Uh... Planet Frieza seventy nine or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Because like we literally, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that the next scene they're there, but they don't give a. It is literally like like we we see them, we see Vegeta at least head off there, and he's there right when Bulma and and the others are there. Hmm. You'd have to know how long the difference between when he got there, and when. Or, or really, you need to know where that Krillin, Bulma, and Gogon were 
when he got to Frieza seventy nine, mm-hmm. kind of figure out the difference. It's like a it's like a word problem. Yeah, know? sorry. <laughs> if, if if Frieza left Earth eighteen days ago, <laughs> I did not mean to inflict that on you. I really did not mean to. But no, I I want to know also. Like that's you know, I'm a I'm a geek for stuff like that. Like you know, how does this work out? Like. Yeah, I, I, I was just curious because like they they really made a point to like show that like these guys can't just zip anywhere. It takes time to travel in space. It just it just popped on my head. I didn't mean for it to be like you know, if a train is flying a planet dynamic by seventy miles. <laughs> miles. <laughs> well, like like yeah, they made a point to say you know, oh, eighteen days ago he left Earth. You know, it takes them thirty something days to get you know get from Earth there. Right. Hmm. Although with Goku it takes six days because science, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 whole end scene there was like, it it didn't seem kind of slapped together, but it kind of seemed like it almost was. <laughs> well, it's like he jumps up and he's he's expositioning as he's like leaping out the window, basically. All, all this vital information that like we handling know is like, because like they're saying like how the crap are you gonna get to Namek? Ah, oh, well you see, one was dead visited me, and then we we discussed in private about building me a ship because I want to go to Namek too, and he didn't know how to. So like blah 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 blah, and like. It all comes very, very, very fast. At, at a very I love the I love the comedic beats with the doctors just like looking on, like what the hell are they talking about? And they're yeah. explaining like aliens and planet dynamic, and they're just looking like what? That's another thing too, like like uh, because you you mentioned about like how we don't typically see the city in Dragon Ball Z, so like you know with city there's there's normal people presumably, and there's a doctor. Who's like, you know, like, yeah, 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 aliens, you know, magic warriors from outer space, whatever. Where's your wife? <laughs> Mr. Goku? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Goku. Great stuff. <laughs> no, you know, you want to you get, on, get on semantics. Like, okay, so Boma can call Roshi back on Earth when it takes them 30 days to get there? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, and you assume it's a spaceship. It's going to fall at a set percent of the light of the speed of light so trans you know radio waves take longer than the speed of light <laughs> longer than video waves and so <laughs> science i know oh <laughs> uh, i am not okay i i in in quote-unquote real life i am not a scientist although i play one on a podcast and even I know that, like, the, like, like at the speed of sound traveling from a, a distant planet that is out of our immediate comprehension, um, away from Jupiter. I mean, was it? Isn't the farthest? Um, well, since Pluto no longer exists <laughs> because of science. <laughs> Damn you, Neil Tyson! <laughs> oh yeah, Neil Tyson's reference, awesome. But um, after Pluto, uh, the, the 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 planet formerly known as Pluto. Um, what's the farthest planet from Earth? Would it be Saturn? This is a good no, word. Uranus. Uranus, okay. Uh, thank you for going with that pronunciation. But, um, yeah, this, this is going back to my grade school training. But, um, okay, so going past Saturn, all, all the way past, all those light years past, uh, never mind the moon, never mind, you know, Mars, like, all the way past that, there's, like, instant, uh, there's an instant uh, relay between Bulma's phone and Roshi's phone uh, <laughs> at his house. Because in the original anime, they didn't show it in Kai, but in the original anime, he was called at his home. And goes she just like, yeah, I reached him on his, you know, his home phone. Um, I mean, it's a cartoon. <laughs> it's a comic book. 
but it's just funny how like how how clearly in in inoperable the the science is in this show it's 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 awesome i'm i'm just, there's there's plenty of questions like like this like uh i mean the travel question was a, a legitimate query like the the radio waves thing i've always thought was nonsensical um i don't even i, <laughs> I can't explain it uh actually i think i forgot about uh neptune i think neptune is the farthest planet Okay, so there's 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 one more notch, and it's spelled about not there's another there's another bullet in the chamber in terms of <laughs> incongruities. Uh, science. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, radio or television waves from the nineteen I think like fifties have just now reached Jupiter. So yeah, that's yeah. A... Um, I remember um I remember I think I forgot what the planet was. But I remember some planet just got. I remember this was this was said in a uh, Doctor Who podcast I listened to. Uh, bigger on the inside, Earth3.net, free plug. Um, they mentioned that um, old, 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 uh, outdated 1960s episodes were finally reached on a planet. Um, which, come on, I mean, if we're if we're presuming that Dragon Ball Z t- takes place not so much in modern day because they have different years than we do, but on contemporary, you know, 20th, 20th century modernity, and you're having sideways travel. Enough to where, I mean, they didn't. We didn't see the conversation, but it was. We presumably had the conversation in the same day. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like okay. I'm going to send him a message. Like I could even buy if she, you know, like texted him. Sent a, yeah, sent a message out there, and he received it even at a later date, even if it was like quickly. But having a back and forth is like, ah, oh, come on. Exactly. Like we saw her like saying like, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Like, like, like let me finish. Like it wasn't like. The reception was bad. It was like you know, let me talk, like like a conversing thing, and that that's that's very cartoon. Again, this doesn't bother me, really, but it is like you know, like this this doesn't make any sense at all. And, and because they, they went out of their way to say, oh, it takes a long time to fly to a different planet, and you're like, oh, where is it? Like, at one point, they concentrate on the logistics of traveling to another planet, which makes plenty of sense. I'm glad they did that, but then again, when they when they land on the planet, they can just have phone conversations whenever they want. <laughs> oh lord <laughs> awesome <laughs> and that, that all that all spiraled out of that one question I had about Frieza and Vegeta <laughs> uh, good stuff um but uh, uh, uh unless we have unless unless you have unless you have a break a scientific breakthrough in how this could happen um I, here's something I, I like your opinion on what were you thinking about um f- uh basically uh Vegeta's you know Vegeta's hood essentially where <laughs> People will dress like him and stuff like that. I thought it was interesting, like because it hadn't it hadn't been brought up before, and it didn't seem like a cop out, like saying, "Oh, by the way, you know, Vegeta really works for him." It just seemed like yeah. kind of revealing more more of the mythology, you know, with the characters, because you do kind of assume, okay, do these three Saiyans just kind of ride around the you know ride around the universe just picking up random planets themselves they had mentioned that they they sell them to people so it it would make sense that they have like kind of almost like a mafia style boss you know and work within like an organization to kind of do this yeah i mean this is this is like i mean expanding upon the idea that raditz introduced in the very beginning it's not at all a retcon although i will say that um vegeta's motivations are slightly altered here because he he does he does you know first of all you don't say like you know totally 
get revenge on Goku for kicking his ass, but he also wants to wish for immortality. Um, we learn here because because he's he's one of Frieza's toadies that he he says you know if Frieza gets his hands on the Dragon Balls, wishes for immortality, I, I'll have to work for that douchebag forever. Um, and uh, it kind of it kind of I don't I don't want to say it changes his person his, his uh, motivations, but it does kind of like expand upon it in that at first he was saying you know. We'll be if Nappa, if we're immortal, we'll be able to fight forever. We'll rule the universe with, with our strength. And there was plenty of times where Frieza said, "I am the greatest warrior in the universe." Now we're introduced to the idea that there are plenty of people stronger than him, which I would say is a very uh, clear-cut example of Akira Chama <laughs> riding by the seat of his pants. It's not. It's not, I want to say it's necessarily a plot hole or a, 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 a flaw, because you could say he's like the best Saiyan or whatever. And at the end of the day, it doesn't make much sense or, or much of a difference. But uh, I did. Well, at the that. same time, it also kind of. I could see Vegeta, kind of, kowtowing to Frieza around him. But as soon as he, you know, as soon as he turns his back, he's going to tell anybody else in the room that he's the strongest. Especially people who have no, who have no, conception of, of Frieza at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they don't know who he is. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm the strongest in the universe, Sakurai. It's almost like, you know, the eighth grader in school thinks he's thinks he's hot stuff. You know, he may get picked on by the ninth grader, but as soon as, you know, he leaves, he's back to being top of the food chain. What are you looking at? Hey, I, kid. I, I can totally see Vegeta like that. Like, oh, we, we were just playing is all. It's like, I don't think he would ever be someone who would think he's like, purposely, like, try to psych out people, I think he legitimately thinks he would be the strongest. Right, or at least the best, because he, he prides himself on, on his on his battle prowess. I mean, although we do get, I mean, this is something that we get a lot more of, um, we'll get a lot more later on, but uh, we're sort of introduced to the concept of, uh, I, I don't want to say Vegeta's pride, because we have seen his pride before, but we get a bit of his, like, you know, when Kui mentions, uh, oh, Vegeta, the Saiyans aren't doing so hot these days, are they? Ha, ha, ha. Um... We get the sense that, you know, because he's the only one of his race, it's at least inferred that there is a bit of um, isolation with him and the other characters, which is probably why he wanted to branch out with Nappa in the first place. And this, this, and this is me speculating. This is not really like me explaining anything, but it's, it is sort of like something you can read into. You can definitely see that. I mean, that's being the the last of his race would definitely could definitely influence his characterization some. Definitely. And so and as opposed to Goku, who doesn't you know doesn't know, being raised with that burden of you know okay, there's only so many you know X amount of Saiyans left, and then I mean maybe maybe even having like Nappa is not you know you have some resentment towards him because he's not I don't know he's he's like, he's he's the only other one and he's he's the only he, other one that's it it's like this yeah, guy yeah. <laughs> it's like this is what I'm stuck with. <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, and, and, and just there's one more thing with Vegeta that I have. Um, all, th- this is a bit of a character, b- bit of character development and progression, and also a bit of like, this kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I know that, and I know for a fact that they lampooned this in a, a bridge where um, Vegeta, he immediately uh, disregards any use of his scouter and then only, only takes it because we can find the Dragon Balls and really regrets taking it. Like he, I know he comments like, oh, I can't believe I use this useless scouter again, because um, he can. Uh, I, I, this is something that you know 
we'll be immediately introduced later on because there's not a big of a spoiler. But he can now sense energy that he once couldn't before. You know, if somebody's strong, he can he can kind of sense how strong they are, kind of wage himself against it, and doesn't need a scouter to, to gauge that. Um, and it kind of kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, at what point did he learn that? Because <laughs> like he, there's there's a lot of like I don't want to use a scouter. And at first you're like, well, why is that? And then later on you do learn that he, he can sense energy, but like, where did that come from? Yeah, he, he mentions that he's grown stronger from Earth, and you can kind of infer this from that, but that's where you learned it. But really, he just kind of got his ass beat at, work, at Earth, so where, <laughs> where did he have a lot of time to pick up some techniques? Yeah, at no point in the fight did I ever have him realize or utilize any ability to like, oh, wow, I, I can sense energy. Like... Cause like I know he acknowledged that oh they can sense that they can sense people's powers or, or power levels, like I know he acknowledged yeah. that like him and Nappa both, but yeah specifically when um when Goku first arrived and Gohan Krill and Piccolo were like he's here he's here he's like huh can they sense energy and use a scouter and even when you think about when Goku used the uh, Kaioken Kaioken times three, Vegeta was never like his power whoa he was kind of just like watching him and then promptly got his has handed to him, um, which is, which probably adds to his anger that like, a guy who doesn't really look stronger than him can do that to him probably. Now I don't, and maybe that's a is that like a Saiyan trait to be able to pick up, to pick up other abilities, more or less like uh, seamlessly. I don't think I wouldn't say so because well we don't really see Saiyans pop up again that that um say, aha, everyone knows that Saiyans can do this. We never see that. Um, also, or, go ahead. I was going to say, or is, is there like a precedence for it later on? Like, you know, like kind of similar instances where, you know, oh, I learned this while I was so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, you know, and there's no kind of, you kind of have to infer that he, he he's more observative than you, than kind of touched upon in the series itself. Well, it's because it's sort of like what Gohan went through when he was training Piccolo. Because all of a sudden, Gohan can not only fly, but Gohan's always like, he's, he's like with the others. Listen, like, feel his energy. Wow, that's some huge energy. And he says that a lot. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm coming up with this from watching Dragon Ball. There's a point where Goku specifically learns how to, use, how to sense energy during the King Piccolo saga, where after training with Korin and drinking the, the magic water, don't ask, <laughs> um, he, he can feel energy all around the planet and then you and then later on after a time skip you get the idea that everybody can do that um the fact that they're drawing the fact that they're acknowledging that certain villains can't here is interesting i mean um literally it becomes this actually becomes a plot point later on because uh literally uh all the villains are all the villains utilize their scouters like you see everybody has a scouter you see you see zarbon and Dodoria like you know like your scouter is broken he can't be that strong but the numbers don't lie so like it becomes a lot more, it it it's, it's sort of it 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 uh it tells you about an edge that the heroes have that the villains don't have that, at a disadvantage because Gohan and Krillin beat the guys by tricking them on their power levels. So is it is it again? It's interesting towards Vegeta's renegade status that he can now do that what the heroes can, but you know because Vegeta's a bad guy. Uh oh. Yeah, it definitely doesn't make it. I kind of I got a, a like a Star Wars vibe from a lot of these episodes. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Although I don't, I can't think of anything specific. What made you? What made you? Typically, with you know, with the you know, you got a you got a sense, you know, I sense power yeah. levels, <laughs> and then you know, oh, we got to mask our power levels. 
there's there's a disturbance in the force, and, and yeah. Krillin and Gohan like yeah. always know when somebody's evil because like Bulma's like it's probably this, the, the Namekians they're always strong. I mean, look at Piccolo and like no, this is evil energy <laughs> for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that and then of course when Vegeta's in the friggin' uh, like healing tube, I'm like, hey, it looks like Luke from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought this thing's stuck on the outside. <laughs> awesome. Um, and again, like kind of stick sticking on that because uh, well, I guess we can get, get into the um, the villains now, uh, specifically with Fishface Kui, which I don't think there's much to really describe over. Uh, although it's interesting that to learn that Vegeta had, I, I like the idea that Vegeta had like a some guy at the office that he never liked. Yeah, like a rival, <laughs> which which is which is cool and that, like which th- this is another question I have, which again it, it doesn't you know ruin the story, but it's something that, that like upon watching it now I, I I wonder why did Kui follow him to Namek? Was it to like warn Frieza? Was it just to fight him? Because he was like, he was kind of just, he was kind of dicking around with him like aha Frieza's already there and then like when Vegeta runs off. Kui just kind of follows them, and then they start fighting for some reason. Like, like it's, it's given exposition by Zarbon, like, ah, these two men have had some, some rivalry for some time. We'll see how it goes now, and, like, they start fighting. Like, well, yeah, what, what did you think about it? at first I saw, I assumed that maybe he contacted Frieza, and Frieza said, go after him, you know, like, rendezvous with us here, go after him. But then I, you know, thought back, like, in the episode, it kind of, he didn't, he didn't threaten to, like contact him, he didn't seem like he had any way to contact Frieza. Yeah, he so, never mentioned that he that he ever had had any like recent contact with Frieza at all. Yeah, so I'm assuming I'm gonna assume he just went after him on his own initiative, just just to kind of maybe to go after him and then get get in good with Frieza to try to you know warn him. Right. Yeah, which which would I I could definitely buy. Um. I mean, uh, this guy is a very weaselly little snot anyway, but, um, I mean, Zarbon and Dora know Vegeta and, and Kui are there. They're like, I suppose, I, and I think that their scouters probably have certain, um, certain registers, like, a, I don't know, like a number or something, because, like, they knew when Vegeta was touching down, even though he didn't signal ahead on planet Freeza 79. So, uh, which was interesting, because it, it was kind of interesting to have, like, uh, play-by-play by the bad guys, like, ah, Vegeta versus Ar- Vegeta versus Kui. This will be interesting. What Vegeta actually won? Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I, I did not see that coming. But um. And I I love like being able to root for Vegeta in a fight. Get used to that. <laughs> which which is again like this is this is why Vegeta is awesome because even though right now he's he's evil, you get a lot of um. This is this introduces uh. I have in my notes. This is the birth of sneaky Vegeta. He's very cunning. Very very after after he. Literally, literally beats the stuffing out of out of Kui. You guys didn't see that. Um, he he thinks to himself, even if I could fight Zarbon and Dodoria, it wouldn't be good to to attack them head on, especially with Frieza. And if he has advantage of the Dragon Balls. I'm dead anyway, so I need to buy up my time and go one by one at a, at an even pace. Vegeta is a very very like foxy character, and we'll see a, a lot of that in the next few episodes. Yeah, he seems particularly once like he's gotten off Earth, if he can if he can keep from getting like very angry like he was in the last arc, he's very cunning and right. very yeah very like not manipulative but um, what's the word like non-emotional with it like very rational like thinking. yes rational exactly he's he's I mean we saw some of his rash, um, 
his rationale on Earth when uh, he's told Napa not to use the scouter, even though he ended up using it anyway. But here, he's like, he, as much as Krillin and Gohan are, he's also in a struggle to survive. He's blatantly disregarded Frieza's orders, um, which they do mention. Um, he's pre- I, I, everything he pretty much said was heard by Frieza, i.e. him wanting to get the Dragon Balls. So if he's on if he's on Namek, they can pretty much ascertain what his goals are going to be. So if he's caught by the henchmen, he can either surrender and you know live his sucky life continuously, or fight to the death. So it's it's it is a bit of a sticky situation for him as well. But because he's also he's a lot more stronger than they realize. He does, and plus he can sense energy. He has an advantage, which again is that's awesome. That's a really cool kind of plot, like, it's a really cool kind of, like, uh, subplot to follow. follow. Definitely um, changes the dynamic of the series. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't think any, at any point when they were looking for the Dragon Balls, did you have the perspective of the villains? It was never like this. There was never a third-party villain to sort of, like, it was very much like Goku, Gohan, or, no, I'm sorry, Goku, Krillin, Bulma, and the others fighting the Red Ribbon Army or Emperor Pilaf or King Piccolo or whoever. Um, which is, and again, this is probably why a lot of people like Vegeta later on, because, I mean, again, Vegeta is here to stay. He's not going anywhere. He's a main character now. This this informs you of more than just his pride and his anger. He's also a very intelligent fighter. I have a couple more notes, but uh, if you have anything, please go ahead. No, I don't have any prepared. Going okay. by the seat of my pants on this one. Awesome. Um... There's a line I liked where, um, where uh, this uh, this actually gets on a little bit later, but uh, we should probably talk about the main bad guy of the, of the saga, you know, one of the more one of the more famous, well-known DBZ villains. What were you thinking about the introduction to the legendary Frieza? I thought it was a good introduction. I've I've I'm familiar with the character. I've seen a few of the episodes involving him mm-hmm. uh, in the past. Um, I. Don't remember him having the henchmen. Like, I remember him just kind of fighting on his own uh, later on. Right. Which, so it's interesting to me to see, like, see, you know, what kind of where that storyline started up at and see more of the, well, like, I'm really interested to see the characters kind of interact with him and meet him for the first time because they've still kind of, they've seen him, but they haven't, they haven't gotten to interact, you know? Yeah. And particularly, I want to see how, how Vegeta interacts with him, being, you know, the former big bad, having his own enemy, you know, or having, you know, someone worse than him. <laughs> oh, you know, one up, that. basically. You were going to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I do agree that, like, so far he's he's different enough from the Saiyans to be an interesting threat because you can't just have, you know, the same thing over and over again. And especially when you try to push the envelope with, as far as like antagonist goes, I think it really does a lot to help to have something like visually and as as a character something different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he, to- he totally looks, look, looks unimposing. He looks like a total wuss um, because he's very weird looking. Um, it's one of those things in anime where he's very androgynous. I know that the original Funimation voice actress was a, was a Linda Gray, who's a female voice actor. Um, I, I know in Kai they have they have a male voice actor now, but he, he still kind of sounds womanly, which which sort of adds to his menace in a um, sort of a gender queer kind of way. But um, I remember because there was that filler story uh, in the original anime about you know the big freeze or whatever, and he has a lot of sway in the overall history of the of the series, 
there's a lot of build up to this character already. Um, I, 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 guess, I suppose it is interesting seeing him with the henchmen because it's, it, it'll be a while before he does any of the dirty work himself and that it is very much like, like a mafia system. He has a lot of these henchmen, very strong henchmen. He has guys he can call on. He's so strong, he doesn't really need to get his hands dirty. And when he finally does, you know that you're in trouble. And it's, it's a very interesting thing to see how his character is established through certain circumstances. Because the entire dynamic arc is basically him thinking like, well, this happens, but it's okay. This happens, but it's okay. This happens, but it's okay. Because he is, uh, in everybody's minds, the strongest thing alive. He is the strongest thing in the entire universe. And unlike Vegeta, that, this is no exaggeration at, the, at this point in time. So uh, it, I, I agree. It's a it's a strong introduction. Um, it's a very ominous introduction. I think it's I think it's a lot better established when our heroes are introduced to him because go on and Krillin, like, like like wet themselves and totally, totally just like have a heart attack. Like, like I said. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's a an interesting approach to have the characters like see him and have a reaction without introducing without introducing them because you know. Eventually, when when they do cross, you have that anticipation now, because you 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 know the viewers have introduced to to him, but we're kind of one step ahead of our our characters. Yeah, right, and we yeah. haven't and we haven't seen, you know, Frieza interact with Vegeta yet either. So, you know, when all these paths cross, it's gonna kind of be the kind of like the culmination of all the tension that's gonna build up with the with the arc so far. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and like. Uh, there was another nice touch I had where, like, because Krillin's a little bit uh, more experienced in dealing with bad guys who are stronger than him, he's like, go on, did you feel that power? And go on, like, totally shell-shocked. He's, he's, like, not even answering him. It's like, Krillin's like, go on. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's one line I liked is that Krillin said, you know, oh, these, these guys are even stronger than Vegeta, even though they're wearing the same stupid-looking uniform. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even meant to be, like, a joke, but, like, it was a line that he said, which was a, a funny observation. Yeah, it it seems like a very honest line. It's like something someone would say, like yeah, it's an exactly. observation you would make, like. <laughs> like, like he's concentrating on how strong they are and how evil they are and how much they uh, they don't stand a chance. But like they're wearing the same stupid looking uniform, <laughs> which in fairness it is dumb because like a lot of these guys don't aren't wearing pants. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the thing I noticed. Like, well, it is the same uniform, but like they have the kind of the shoulder pads coming out, but everybody else has like. Kind of the, for lack of a better term, like the, the kilt guard looking thing down the middle. Vegeta right. doesn't have that. Why is Vegeta the only one with pants? I would, well, I mean, some some do like the Doria. Or, yeah, the Doria does. But um, I was wondering if you noticed that, that Vegeta's armor did get a slight, I don't want to say a redesign, but like it, his armor is slightly different than the last one because, like you mentioned, like the little kilts, the little, the little, the little hangoff things that are usually to the side and the front. That Vegeta had in the Saiyan saga, he doesn't have now, which I think adds to a bit to his credibility because I think as a design choice, and to me, it's a little bit easier to distinguish Vegeta in the Saiyan saga than Vegeta in the Namek saga because in Vegeta, Vegeta in the in the Saiyan saga, you're, you're sort of concentrated when when they're fighting Nappa that he's a smaller guy. He's obviously more powerful, but he's a smaller guy, and I think that the, those little flaps on his armor. The, the kind of, that kind of leaves um, maybe a subliminal indication about his the type of character he is. Whereas in the Namek saga, not only does he have a lot of that history behind him, but he's more menacing now because he has his own agenda, and those things are gone. I'm not saying that that was intentional, but it is something that I've noticed 
in terms of uh, the two arcs in the same character. Uh, but at least he is wearing pants, unlike Nappa and most other <laughs> characters. Yeah, I think uh, I think that could be indicative of kind of a, a character trait because I think if if with the Toriyama, if he is so intent on or so involved in every kind of aspect of the character designs, right. I think he could definitely. You know, I don't think he'd be reading too much into it if he were to try to, you know, kind of alter the design to to meet a characterization or to, to meet the changing characterization. Yeah, and, and something I just thought about now um, is like when they first land on Namek, Krillin's uh, wearing the, the full Kami, uh, Kami um, Master Roshi getup and like the black, the black, uh, I should say, uh, navy blue shirt underneath the orange gi, and he's wearing the hat and and like you know space boots, which kind of makes him look at least in my mind. I'm not. I would like to know what you think about it, but like at least in my mind. It, it lends credence to the seriousness when he's grimacing over Vegeta being there, as opposed to him in his basically orange pajamas. I mean, it, it was sort of like an aesthetic choice. Uh, which yeah. I, that's one thing I do like about this show is the characters do change clothes. They, you know, they kind of they do have their uniforms. Like Goku has his uniform, but it's it's also a conscious choice. Okay, I'm changing into my uniform. You know, I don't just have one set of clothes. I keep on constantly. Yeah, and, and the small things like you know when Bulma was asking why are you wearing that, well why are you wearing that? It's yeah, it, it's it's a little more awareness around that. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot more. Yeah, if, in this situation, how these characters interact, um, which honestly brings me to like one thing I should have mentioned like last uh, in the first half of their synopsis. And this is just a very brief aside. Bulma was acting really really pissy when they were when they were flying off. Did you notice that? Like, 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 this is, oh, this is... Oh, when they were, like, blasting off from the, the rocket? Yeah, from, from Master Roshi's place. No, I assumed there were, um, I kept waiting for the, kind of the payoff to that, or for her to, like, reveal something, like, oh, you know, I had to do this, or, you know, something was, wasn't work, working right. I kept waiting for it, and it didn't happen. I was like, okay, well, because her characterization, her, the, even the, the act, the, you know, the acting and the actual animation would seriously it seemed like she yeah, she had some kind of something going on there yeah exactly it's, it's very very odd it happens in the manga too like you really don't know it's never explained what that was about um and it's not like gohan and krill are acting goofy or whatever like this is after we find out that they can actually fly the thing dynamic you know there's a time skip and everybody meets up the entire scene bulma is frowning um, she's very short with Gohan and Krillin, like, get in, you know, strap in, change your clothes, shut up, and, like, and I think, I think, at one point, they're like, like, what's, what's her problem, but, like, they never, ever get back to that, and you can infer what, because I think, but by the nature of storytelling, the storytelling, can, I do think that the storytelling is such that where, while, while things can be kind of lazy, there are certain things you can't, you can absolutely look into, like Vegeta's characterization, you know, being the only scene or whatever, uh, maybe she was very, maybe she was very uh, stressed out by traveling to space alone, possibly. But like maybe, I mean, that, that's sort of an abstract thought compared to just her real, real uh, rudeness to uh, the characters. And then uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying like you know that turned me off or whatever, but it's a very odd thing that is never really explained. Yeah, it's odd that they put so much. Em- they seem to put so much emphasis on it with, without an explanation as to why. Yeah, they, they they made you notice it. They 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 brought up in this. They made you be aware of uh, her mood, 
for no because reason. typically yeah, it, it, you wouldn't put effort into something and then not give a payoff for it yeah exactly what okay everybody email in what was what was Boma's problem DBZ, yeah, we, want, we want your opinions yeah why was she really upset I really, really, I'd really like to, like to be interested to know. Um, DBC next mission at hotmail.com. Wait, just hear me out, okay? I've got the craziest idea. What do you say, me and you team up? We, we could take on Frieza. I mean, I don't like the guy. I never liked the guy. I was just following orders, you know. <laughs> Come on, Vegeta. Think. We can have the whole ball of wax all to ourselves, man! We can start right now with Zarbon and Dodori and just work our way up! Spare me this pathetic display and scrounge up some dignity before you die! <laughs> just trust me, please! <gasps> My lord, finally! What? Major Luck! believe you actually fell for that old gag. Fat lot of good all that power did you at the moment of truth, huh? Really? <laughs> so that was it then. I have to say, even for you, that was a pretty dismal move. No, no, it can't be! If there was brain one in that head of yours, you'd have realized my speed is increased as well. <laughs> Which means, unfortunately for you, that little ruse only succeeded in pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid you're fired. About when Goku first, uh, we talked about, you know, the exposition dump, but uh, you notice when he says, you know, King Kai sent me these clothes. How did he send them those clothes? You know, yeah, I thought the same thing was like express from the other world. Like, exactly. Did Gregory fly over there? <laughs> send them? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's kind of like when King Kai the Creeper started talking to everybody. Yeah, well, th yeah, that I liked. Where, like, it was very otherworldly, like, huh, there's a man in my head, or whatever. It's like, uh, the people who did like, wait, 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 I, I'm not used to him talking to my head, like. No, it's, yeah, it makes, it makes you know that Master Roshi's not crazy like he was earlier, when Goku was dead and he was talking to him. <laughs> um, I believe that's everything I've got. Um, just over, because, because we're starting a new, new arc. I know we're obviously not going to review it, but like overall, I'm 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 not know where it goes. But I think that like I think the storyline is like cool enough to where you can stay invested in like it. You see you see what I meant the last episode how it sort of branched off from the things like into this whole new thing. It flows very yeah, it flows very organically. Like it seems on one hand it is a continuation of the story that's already been set ahead, but it's also like it's going in its own direction and it's it it doesn't seem like it's treading the same ground, you know. Exactly. It's very much, you know, the characters' motivations are are, are obvious, and, and it's a strong motivation, and uh, there's some great conflict. And the fact that, like, you know, there's a guy behind Vegeta obviously makes all the characters very upset, and Goku very happy. He was... <laughs> he was super happy. 
he was he was he was like 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 guy starring the Vegeta. Wow, and he had like a, a whole a whole image of it like behind him. Um, yeah. So uh, this I did like that visual, like Vegeta with someone. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, someone behind him, someone stronger. Like that's something uh, you would see, like you know, something you would visualize, kind of. I liked uh, the fact that Vegeta was like grinning, and then there's somebody like a shadow behind him. Exactly, <laughs> this made me laugh. Like he's like, yes, and look behind me. <laughs> but yeah, Vegeta's happy there's someone stronger than him. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like like you said, that would be like a thought that it would be somebody ideally bigger, and it turns out it's somebody smaller, <laughs> which is interesting. But um, yeah, this is uh, the start of the Namek Saga. This is. Going to be longer than the Saiyan Saga, but I don't think anybody's going to mind because this is one of the classic eras of Dragon Ball Z. We're knee-deep into the series now, and it's only going to get better from here. Um, so I, I really think that might be it. Uh, I, I, I have some new nuances here and there, but they weren't really important. So uh, until next month, uh, Jesse, any final thoughts? Don't uh, be weary of big black genies at your windows. <laughs> he keeps looking at me. He's weird looking. Uh, oh, Popo, you and your ambiguous racism. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the, the lovely month of May. Uh, keep on listening. The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Adios. Thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at www.dbcnextdimension.libson.com. That's www.dbcnextdimension.libson.com. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Oh, <laughs>